Expecto Podronecast! Welcome to Mischief Managed Podcast, your recommended dose of Harry Potter nonsense straight into your ear hole. Sorry, George. For the discerning witch or wizard. And muggles. And squibs. No discriminations here. Well, no trolls. Fuck trolls! On today's episode, our topic is... Competition culture. And of course, our reoccurring segments brought to you by us nerds... Katie. Laura. Kate. And most importantly, me, Craig, seeing as I'm the only wizard among these witches. Well, now on with the show! Hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. We ha- oh, hi. We haven't been talking for a while. The, we just picked up the phone. Yep. I just woke up like this. <laughs> I literally just it. woke up like this. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Neither am I. It's too hot. <laughs> oh, Katie's got pants on. She's got a sweater on, too. Oh, my good yeah. lord. Are you in air conditioning? No. it's uh, It's gotten cooler the last few days. We've had we're in a, in a little bit of cold spell, so it's only like fourteen degrees out right now. Wow, that's cold. Yeah, double that for us. Yeah, I know, right? It has been really nice. Uh, so it's just a little dip, and then we'll be back to like it's supposed to be like a high of eighteen today, but it just hasn't warmed up yet. But yes, yeah, so this is exciting. Welcome to Mr. Bandage Podcast. Kate's here. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. It's so nice to have you. No, thanks. This it's feels fun. good. This it's feels fun. good. And I'm on fancy equipment today. <laughs> the fanciest. Oh, and a coffee delivery. Ooh. Or tea. Coffee delivery. Mm, yes, hello. <laughs> it's Amazing. coffee. Let's be real. It's all be real. Laura is not joining us today. Uh, she's working so on her own stuff today. She's working on her own yeah. stuff, which is fair because mm-hmm. we all have our own stuff. Yeah. She might chime in. That's nice. Hey. Did we want to, like, just get out the quarantine and, and JK stuff out early? I think and then front just load chat, it, yeah. Chat, chat nice things yeah. after? I agree. Yeah. Let's be sad, uh, and, and then we'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, JK. <laughs> <sighs> so, this happened about a week after we recorded. Or a week after we, yeah, I think we recorded our last episode or released it or something like that. Anyway, uh... So she came out with more transphobic stuff. She felt the need to write a whole essay about it. Yep. Um, I feel like, well, we've been rather vocal on Twitter, but for people who don't follow us on Twitter, um, obviously we disagree with this. Um, It's completely wrong and fear-based, and it's unfortunate that she has such a wide following and such influence, and yet she has got these opinions. Um, It honestly makes it hard to... Like, I went through a, I think I'm still going through it, where, like, I don't want to wear my Harry Potter stuff. Yeah. It kind of makes me feel icky, and I'm like, I hate that. I hate that I have these feelings about something that I truly love, and that's helped me so much, and that mm-hmm. is so much a part of my, my life, and, and, like, the entertainment I I enjoy, and, um, yeah, anyway, those are my feelings off the bat. Yeah, it was a bit of a slog to get myself into recording again because we we waited a week um (laughs) just for having three people um but it was like i was planning on doing the points i did them and once i got into it uh the qualities of the fandom show through so even though there's jk issues going on i think the harry potter fandom is figuring itself out but it's still like it can still be a source of happiness and 
we just mm-hmm. have to like pull together and get through this because yeah. it's unfortunate. To bring a little happy part of it, if there can be, is I really actually appreciated. There's so many layers of like when someone speaks out to topics like these in a negative light or when someone has these sort of opinions and if it's that person of a place of power there's usually a lot of people that they're connected to and those people tend to go silent because it's like right this isn't me i don't know how to comment on this Mm -hmm. and so this is the first time that more broadly we've seen a reaction from the harry potter cast Mm -hmm. and specifically daniel radcliffe like the star and so the fact that he not just tweeted his response, but he went to the Trevor Project, which we know he donates to and has supported for a long time. Yep. He worked with the Trevor Project, wrote that letter, and posted it on their site. And it brought them the traffic instead of his own That's Twitter. Nice. Yeah, yeah. There's just like, he even acknowledged, like, I was a child actor, so she was kind of like a second mom to me. Like, she hired him and it worked with him and was with him through a lot of his formative years. But this is still wrong. Yeah, and mom, I can, no. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, I can <laughs> view someone of power who is above me. I use that in quotations. Or I feel like it's a, a, yeah. a superior figure. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I can still say, this isn't right. And yeah. and especially within an industry, so publicly, that could be damaging. If you call mm-hmm. someone out and, you know, then people who really still support JK now will probably not support Daniel Radcliffe and, like, ridiculous stuff like that. And so, and then that followed with a couple of other cast members trickling in their opinions and their own support with Daniel. And uh, that was really nice to me. Yeah. And I was really impressed by like the Fantastic Beast cast coming Mm -hmm. forward as well. Mm -hmm. Because like you could say, well, Daniel Radcliffe, he's already done it. Like they can't. Yeah. Like he's not working with JK anymore. Um, Neither is Emma Watson, Rupert Grint. Um, really anyone from the Harry Potter series that spoke out still a huge a lot of courage was needed to do that and they did it in Mm -hmm. a very very nice way Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I mean I I was surprised to see people who are you know currently about to film Crimes of Grindelwald 3 or whatever the hell it's called yeah (laughs) Fantastic (laughs) Beast 3 Uh, uh, yeah anyway whenever that picks up so um, that was really encouraging and yeah that's a really good point Kate there was a lot of bright lights um and i you know personally we follow a lot of other um harry potter podcasts on like twitter and instagram and stuff and it was really great to see basically everybody was rallying around Mm -hmm. the point that like you know trans women are women trans men are men there are no need to exclude them from gendered spaces Mm -hmm. um, because they're not cis to me it really like has started like i feel the same as you katie like i've been like like i pushed away from the world a little bit but those movements and a couple other things I'll speak about later have started to separate her from the books for me and so like I I've been listening to the Harry Potter readings at home which I'll talk Mm -hmm. about later but that along with the cast members speaking out and supporting trans people and basically saying you're wrong to JK um have started to like okay it's our world it's not yours anymore Mm-hmm. Like these are yeah. ours. Like you may have started these books, you may have written these books um, from a a different time, but they're ours now, and we're running with them. And especially that we're moving forward with movies and not books. I'm hoping that there's just more creative power to other people to keep going with these Crimes of Grindelwald, Fantastic Beast movies, 
and that she just gets separated from it all. Because as we've seen with a lot of the Me Too industry, that if people start to blatantly talk about these things in a negative way, that they're going to get cut from the studios. So it hasn't happened yet, but maybe they'll start to slowly pull back her power and the movies will be into other people's hands. And then, you well, know, like, yeah. yeah, maybe we mentioned, I think in the last episode, she's going to have a co-writer. Mm-hmm. So they may yeah. have already been on this for a while. They saw it coming and then they're like, oh, we better start figuring out alternative plans. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a huge money ball that's rolling down a hill and they're not going to let it stop just yeah. because yeah. JK is a bump in the road. Yeah. 100%. So I feel like we're kind of taking it back <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that recently. Yeah, I agree. When I finally sat down and started reading emails and messages and stuff, like, it's all positive, luckily, which is amazing. Thank you to everyone Mm -hmm. who emails. Um, And that kind of, like, reset in my head that, no, this is good. This is going to kind of fill my cup with nice things. (laughs) Um, And that's definitely needed (laughs) these days. So. Yeah. It, it's difficult right now, but I know like years down the road, I don't think there's going to be a problem just leaving JK to the side and continuing on loving these books. I and agree. I don't think you should feel bad about it. It's weird and it's okay to feel weird about it right now, but Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, very well said. Um you know, reading through uh JK's like long essay that she did. Like, at first, when, when this whole thing happened, I was just, like, angry. And then when I read that, I was just sad. And I was sad yeah. for quite some time. The, the, because it kind of just really made it be, like, like she's just so human. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so often we try to put people in boxes of people who are good, people who are bad. But it's just more the case that people fight in their own corner. Yeah. And she's fighting in her own corner as someone who's been the victim of abuse. And she is scared. And she lets it be a big part of her. Whether she has tried to, like, heal from it in in therapy or anything like that. But I feel like it's just... It was very weird that most of the things I thought were going on were. And it didn't make me jump on her bandwagon and say okay she's fine now like it just made me think like even though i was pretty right about why you're doing this your conviction is the problem i think yeah and you're you're directing your energy in the wrong direction yeah her tweets and and her essay are very fear-based and it sounds like you know, there's multiple layers to suffering and there's multiple layers to trauma and her past experiences are her own experiences and they have to be honored, but... That's not everyone's experience. Yeah, and there's different levels of fear and, and if she hasn't acknowledged that or if she hasn't realized that within herself, then she won't have the openness to change. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me really sad was like... Yeah. Everyone was like, she's digging in her heels. And it's like, yes, she's only working from she's a place cornered. of fear. And fear is... It's toxic. Um, it's toxic. It's yeah. disability. It's it's that's not a word. What's the word I'm Dis- looking for? Debilitating. <laughs> Thank you. Debilitating. I'll just drink some more coffee now. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Debilitating. And it's it can take over your world more than any emotion, I would yeah. argue. And then you get defensive because Completely fear has agree. that anger side to it, you know? And 
So she, yeah, I, I feel the same as Katie. Like I felt really sad from the beginning that this human is suffering and that she's not taking care of herself and working to transform that suffering and to open herself, open her capacity to learning a different opinion. Yeah. And that's the only way to step forward. And even for someone to acknowledge, like, I don't feel that way right now, but I'm going to step back and mm-hmm. read into this and look into this and figure out what's going on. Um, I'll be back in a bit. That would even be a minute of like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Self-reflection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, it's harder when you're that big in the spotlight. A lot of people will still want to I th- I cancel think that's you a as thing I roll my too. eyes, but... Yeah. yeah, like the whole bit about her daughter um, saying that, yeah, you should talk about this. I do agree with that. And I think it was a very humanizing essay. And it's just unfortunate that that's one of her human flaws. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, the f- yeah, it's just the fact that it was humanizing was more the disappointing part. Mm-hmm. Because you know I she's feel not like lying anymore. <laughs> or joking. Yeah, or, or that she's not like when she first started out with this, we're like, maybe this is just like a quote unquote senior moment where she has like some outdated beliefs, but she just needs some more education. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, she's done her own education into Mm -hmm. specifically radicalized viewpoints that Mm -hmm. agree with what she, like she's just found confirmation bias and Mm -hmm. that's what she's going with. So it's like, what can you do at this point? Well, it's, it's the same thing as, okay. So not the same thing. Sorry. It's very similar <laughs> to uh, a celebrity coming out and saying, yeah, I believe the earth is flat because mm-hmm. they've gone out and find, found yeah. specific things that say the earth mm-hmm. is flat or they listen to someone else who agrees with them and yeah. then they spout it to their millions of followers and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people who haven't made up their minds or don't have the mm-hmm. uh, information mm-hmm. just follow blindly. And that's where yeah. the danger comes from when she's saying this stuff as fact when uh laura found a great twitter thread of like someone going through and pinning each kind of thing and saying this is wrong this is outdated blah 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 just for someone who does so much research you'd think she'd have a broader understanding of it but because of her personal experiences she's latched Mm -hmm. onto things and only focused on them yeah to me which isn't the jk that wrote harry potter yeah well, that person was like 20 years ago, so yeah. everybody changes. Yeah. One of the emails... Everyone changes, and also, I mean, you can read this in literal, like, scientific textbooks, but money and power changes people. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And so if you, you know, you have to look at all the layers of this human being and, and know that they're different now, and that yeah. to hold them in that box, even as much as we want to, you can't. Every human yeah. changes, so... You hope for the better, but sometimes not. Agreed. Someone reminded me, Harry Potter turned 40 the other day. No. (laughs) Like, he was born in 1980 or 81. What month is this? This is July, right? Yeah. Uh, June 30th is his birthday. No, July 31st. July 31st? Oh, it's coming up. up. Yeah. Yeah. 39 he is. Oh, my fucking lord <laughs> oh it was it was laura ritchie and she's doing a, a special run on that date so oh my god good for That's you laura nice. good for you laura 
yeah anyway i mean it, is everyone said kind of what they want to about this i think mm. so you can put it behind and move mm. on do, okay do we have anything specific to quarantine um well i don't want to make everybody jealous but uh nova scotia is doing very well uh with the pandemic that's good um, we didn't have any active cases for 20 days straight nice Ooh. Um, and, uh, we just have, we have three now, uh, someone traveled in and then two people got, or one person got infected on the plane. Um, that was the Toronto Halifax flight. Yeah. They were all isolating. Um, so hopefully they haven't, uh, really come into contact with many people and we can keep it pretty low. Um, but yeah, since, uh, I mean, everyone's still being very cautious. There's precautions everywhere, but, um, things like playgrounds have opened up. Uh, which is really nice to see um, restaurants and and bars and stuff, you know, with precautions still in place, but uh, they're all opening up. And uh, yeah, it's just a nice break. We'll probably have to go back into lockdown at some point. Um, but yeah, it's been nice so far. That's, Hopefully we can uh, we can keep it up. That's what it feels like uh, people have forgotten in Toronto. Like to me, it's everyone's gone back to how they think they should be. Like, there's mm -hmm. giant parties going on in the backyards around our place, and patios mm -hmm. are, like, not packed to the brim, but, like, every table's full, and I thought it would be, like, every other table kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And you have, like, restaurants taking over sidewalks, so if you're just walking by, you have to walk through one of the, like, biggest hot spots for getting it right now, which is, like... Oh, bummer. <laughs> so it's a little ridiculous, and not a lot of masks unfortunately no. so yeah and even like toronto's putting into place a every indoor space has to wear a mask but they're not going to enforce it like there's not going to be police trolling it's going to be up to the the shops or the restaurants to to enforce it and already like we lined up for kitchen stuff plus last weekend just to get like um fizzy water canisters oh, yeah. for soda stream. soda stream and the line was okay it was everyone's six feet and they were letting like five people in the store and there mm. was a big store so it was once we were in the store it was like wow i'm the only one in here it feels very okay but there we were the only ones in line wearing a mask and they had a big sign outside that's like please wear a mask and they were just like go on in go on in and yeah. they weren't enforcing it and i was like you have the right to be like you need to wear a mask i'm sorry or or yeah. They're actually not i went to my to, yeah we went to um that's so fucked up i did have my first patio experience yesterday we actually went out to Hamilton to a brewery that is open and there was no lineup. Uh, Hamilton seems to have it put together. There was no lineup for the brewery. We were seated so far from everyone else. They were very strict with the rules. We all had to, like our entire party had to be there and they gave us a spiel. They listed off everything. They said, who doesn't have a mask? And they gave someone the mask. Oh, and great. And then it was like, they, they were all, I actually gave them feedback. I talked to the server that we were dealing with and I was like, this is incredible. This makes me yeah. feel safe. It makes me feel like you guys are organized. Like mm -hmm. every single one of your servers all had the same things. And I, I screwed up. I accidentally was walking the wrong way down the hallway. And he was like, sorry, ma'am, if I can ask you to, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, but like the fact that every server was on the same page, all the hostesses were on the same page, the runners were on the same page and that they all spoke up. And they were all carrying um, sanitization bottles and every table had a little 
hand sanitizer you could use. Oh, that's nice. And the washrooms were um, sanitized after every person, and they left a bottle of sanitizer in there if you felt you wanted to do extra cleaning. Because, like, someone like me, I'm a little extra worried, so I sprayed some things down before I went to the washroom. And it was just like, I feel good here. Yeah. And then driving back into Toronto, it was like, look at that lineup of 40 people. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think people are like trying to get any amount of money they can because yeah. they've been so long without any business. So it's yeah. not surprising, really. Yeah. Yeah. That they'd be a little lax, but that's good for that. Barry Hamilton. Any, what was it? Yeah. I was going to say, if there's any listeners in of tr- uh, Toronto Hamilton area, go to Merritt Brewing. Merit. Brewer. Brewery. Brewery. <laughs> I can't say that word. Brewery. It's kind of hard, actually. Yeah. Brewery. <laughs> Yeah, Merit was awesome. It was so good. That's awesome. And it felt normal. Yeah. 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 It it has been weird kind of starting to feel normal, even Mm -hmm. though, Mm -hmm. like, and wearing a mask feels normal to me now, too. So it's just, it's nice to go out and not feel as freaked out about it. Yeah. 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 Well, here we go. Yeah. (laughs) That's all the rubbish. That's all the rubbish. Yeah. Goodbye, it's gone. rubbish. Done. Nothing negative from here on in. We'll pin our smiles to our faces and so uh, slurge on. time. That's all for this episode <laughs> of Mr. Penny's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, all right, bye. bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Shortest recording ever. Twenty-five yeah. minutes. <laughs> oh, uh, do you want to talk about the read-alongs to yeah. pick us back up? Yes. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay, so I love podcasts. I have gotten, I mean, before COVID, I love podcasts, but I listen to podcasts now more than I listen to music. Really? <laughs> I just really like having someone too. talk in the background really? while I'm doing whatever in my house. 100%, like, yeah. Maybe it's isolation getting to me. I just want to hear people. <laughs> but um, a couple weeks ago, well, actually quite a few weeks ago, we had a lot of rainstorms in Toronto and it was feeling a little that cozy summer ring storm. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want something nostalgic. I'm craving something nostalgic. And I know that the Pottermore and Wizarding World had put out um, Harry Potter read along at home. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to start. I'm going to listen to it. And Daniel Radcliffe read chapter one, the reading book one. And he read chapter one and it was so lovely. His recording wasn't the best. Like now that I've listened to a lot of them, he like, recorded himself on his phone in the loudest room in his house like I heard (laughs) I heard I think I'm assuming he was in London but I heard buses going by at one point there was an ambulance I was like Daniel just like like, our podcast (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and it was all uphill from there but even if you're just starting with that one it was really great but it's been incredible and the amount of um celebrities that they've gotten like they've gotten celebrities that have to do with this world so cast members from the original movies cast members from crimes of grindelwald fantastic beasts but they've also gotten like people that have had nothing to do with harry potter and it's been yet yeah that we know of (laughs) so like olivia coleman um read a chapter and in her chapter they had jonathan van ness and um and Kate McKinnon reading like little spoofy parts. So like Kate McKinnon did the Hogwarts song. It was um, the dining hall and they all get sorted. <laughs> yeah. And Jonathan Ness Van Ness was the sorting hat. He acted as the sorting hat. That's and so cute. So they have like 
they have like a solid, sometimes they just have one reader for the whole chapter. Sometimes they bring on multiple people. And then sometimes it's a main person like Olivia Coleman read everything. And then um, someone will come in and do a guest star for like, you don't know who they're going to be. You just see at the beginning that they're on it. And you're like, I don't know who they're going to play. But it's, it's been so good and light and bubbly. And everyone does their own voices. There's been a few I won't name them. You can judge them yourself. I've been like, oh, you are not good at reading a story. Like, oh, ah, no. There's been funny. a few that have been like, oh, come on. But for the most part, everyone does voices and changes their voices. And it's been really fun tracking everyone's opinion on Hagrid. Like, how <laughs> Hagrid should sound. And if he's like, someone had it more like gruffer. Like, he was like a real, like, yeah. I'm just grumpy and kind of thing. And then Olivia Coleman's was like, he's all bubbly and like clumsy and it was it's so good it's i've been like i've listened to all of them through and I'm, i've already started re-listening to them while i'm waiting for the next chapter to be released oh, that's, that's awesome. and, uh, and i don't know i know wizarding world is the behind it but i don't know who's doing the casting but like from black to lgbtq to not famous to famous to sports stars to chefs there was very inclusive famous chef yeah like they're just going all over the place and wow. they're casting people that are like i almost want to like once it's all out craig it would be such a good recast because they're gonna there's yeah. people reading that have been so good that i'm like you need to hire this them in for the movies okay that chapter was so good why aren't they in the movie yeah we <laughs> could, well now yeah. that uh olivia coleman has something to do with harry potter that's got to be mm -hmm. every english actor now yeah. <laughs> Every single one has been in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. My favorite chapter was chapter two. Um, uh, Noma Dumaswaini mm. read the full chapter, who plays Hermione in The Cursed Child. And it was, she was like, can you read the whole book to me? Like her voice was yeah. so good. And some people yeah. just know how to read well, children's stories. You and know? a stage actor. So you know how to read yeah. lines. <laughs> yeah. 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 Eddie Redmayne, Stephen Fry does a chapter. Uh, yeah, lots of people oh, I don't boy. know, which have been really lovely. Alia Bott reads a chapter, um, and I had to look up who she was, and now I know this wonderful Bollywood actress, and her reading was really great, and so it's it's all over the place with, with casting, and I've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Dan nice. Fogler, who plays oh, Jacob. Nice. Was oh, one of nice. the best chapters as well. His reading is so good. And he, at the beginning, he was like, Hi, I'm Dan Fogler. I play Jacob and uh, Fantastic Beasts. And I'm here in my home and blah, blah, blah. And, and then he like, ha ha. He's like, oh, I'm drinking giggle water. Okay, let's begin. <laughs> <laughs> so like he was like bringing it in. It was really cute. Oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. so well, nice. I have yeah. to give that a listen. I think yeah. I'm, I'm ready for something like that. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. We watched the Reunited Apart with um, the Lord of the Rings cast. And mm. uh, if you haven't yet, like I would suggest it, it's still got a little bit of the, the Zoom, we'll call them Zoomies, maybe, mm. like Zoom issues. <laughs> <laughs> but, Zoomies. <laughs> <laughs> but like seriously, like heartwarming, uh, like I was crying through the whole thing. Like it was nice. Aww. It was just nice. Aww. That's lovely. An amazing idea for a show too. Guys, while we have literally was talking about this, they just launched the next chapter, and it's Matthew Lewis reading it. Oh, nice. In. In. Gotta 100%. go by. <laughs> Wait, don't come back. 
No, we'll just play it for the rest of the episode in the yeah. background. Yeah, That's honestly, fine. that would probably be better than whatever we have to say. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> anyway, That's wonderful. I'm Highly so recommend. happy. I, I'm definitely going to dig into it. Um, yeah. I think it's a, such a lovely idea. Yeah. It feels very, very separated from JK. Even yeah. though they haven't come out and said anything, the fact that it's like, here's a black LGBTQ person. Mm-hmm. Here's a Bollywood actress. Here's this. And it just feels very like, mm-hmm. yeah, we are of a progressive world and we yeah. support that. Here are that's some wonderful good. people reading you the books you love. And that's yeah. how it should be. Just, yeah. And that's nice. some people you've never heard of to give you a uh, more rounded experience. Yeah. 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 More voices to listen to, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's fucking perfect. What a great way to end the intro. I don't yeah. know if we want, know how to say anything else before I'm we I'm warm and on. fuzzy now. That could <laughs> yeah. be because of the Caesar as well, but... Ah, <laughs> uh, the alcohol, she kicks in. Mm-hmm. I drank way too much beer yesterday. I don't need alcohol today. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally... Awesome. ...got an air conditioner this year... And it was more for the cats. Like, yeah, it's very nice for me, but I have senior cats and one very fat, hairy cat. So I was like, okay, I have to be a good good mom. Get you some cool air. And Bernie, my fat, long hair cat, has started sleeping in the other end of the house, the, like, very hot end of the house. And I was like, what? And I saw her the other day. She loves the air conditioning, but she just was randomly, like, lying in the kitchen, the other end of my house, looking (laughs) not very well. And I was like, Bernie, what's going on? And I picked her up, and she was super hot. And I had to carry her to the air-conditioned room, and I put her on the couch, and she almost was like, oh, "Oh, yeah, (laughs) oh, yeah, this is good. I was like, you dummy. Cats are dumb. (laughs) I love Bernie a lot, but she would straight up die in the wilderness. She would have been dead a long time ago. A long time ago. The only reason that both of them are alive are because of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, your generosity and charity and patience and love. Yeah. No, she'd be dead. No. <laughs> Speaking of, Lizzie wanted a uh, pet update if we were so inclined. How's Ludo doing? Ludo's fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, good. no, he's good. He's uh he's uh loving having a backyard. Uh we have a backyard here in Halifax and it's the fucking best. He just runs out out there. Um we go to this like empty field sometimes even though the parks are open. Now, um he doesn't really get along with other dogs all the time, especially big dogs. He likes to bark at them because he's like a little bit of a tyrant. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we go for ball throws there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he's living life. He's fucking crushing it. He's doing well. He's five years old approximately. Oh, good mm. job. I though. adopted him when he was approximately two years old, they told me. So he's so always very happy. Good. That's a Ludo update. How's Hunter? We heard about Bernie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hunter and Bernie are good. They're living some good air-conditioned days. Very floofy. Bernie's (laughs) living her her best summer life she's ever lived. Because I also, along with the air conditioner, I got a Furminator. Oh, nice. For the first time. So she's been like, she's almost 10 pounds lighter now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I also have a a new pet. I have a resident raccoon. (laughs) And he comes out every (laughs) evening. And he sits on my porch. I don't know where he comes from. Like, I can't figure it out. But he walks the same part of my porch every evening. And even Hunter now is like, 9 o'clock, I'm in the back room. 
Hello, sir. <laughs> and, the, and the raccoon's like, hello, how are you? Good. And then they go about their ways. Mutual respect. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it's very funny. It's like clockwork every is it, day. Is it the same one that walked past us when we yeah. were there? Yeah. Yeah, that same big Pretty honking. chill. Yeah. <laughs> very chill. The very first time I saw him, Craig and Laura were over, and I accidentally brushed up against him because I was walking up the stairs and not paying attention, and he was right there. And it was getting dark. And then... And then the second time was I was on in the back room just eating dinner at my kitchen table and um, <clears throat> he walked by and he saw me and I saw him and I was it was one of those like, <laughs> I won't do anything if you won't do anything. <laughs> All I'm, right, we have mutual agreement. <laughs> I'm sure he was thinking, are you going to share? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Give he was me like, what you're eating? <laughs> yeah, I have a bunch of planters back there and I have this tiny one that's a teapot. He picked it up and he was like, I don't want this. Put it back down. <laughs> it's like, hey! <laughs> That's hilarious. That's nice. Yeah. He's Aww. even stopped taking poops on my deck, so I think we have a real good agreement. Oh, there That's you even go. better. Yeah, that's very good. Hmm. What about your your family? My Craig? guys are good. They don't really like the heat, but it's mm. nice when I take them outside and all they want to do is lay down in the grass, in the shade, because then I don't have to worry about them as much. Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, they're good. Luna's like, this is probably her internal body temperature. So she's having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I feel like that's that's me. She, I'm a Luna. She's a little <laughs> bit melty, but uh, it's very cute to see her spilling over on like the tops of the couch or the chair nice. and stuff. Because she's usually very like contained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like a tight little loaf. Yeah. Because she's got to keep her body temperature in. <laughs> Now she can starfish. Yeah. That's yeah. really nice. Now her loaf is rising. So she's <laughs> <laughs> Lol, that's really that's, funny. That sounds like a um, cos. What's the cosmologic, the sign thing? Oh, like uh, astrology. Yeah. Oh yeah, loaf in rising. Yeah, rising loaf. <laughs> rising loaf. That's my star sign. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Funny. All right, there's there's your pet update, Lizzie. Uh, shall we move on to the meet your messers? Let's yeah. do it. All right. What's our meet your messers, Laura? Uh, so I thought of this while sitting on a blanket in our backyard, staring at clouds. Um, so for this episode, our meet your messers will be, it's like Lockhart. You're in a home. You've been obliviated and you've completely forgotten your life, but your memories are starting to come back. Everyone's telling you that you're really famous for something. Uh, so like Lockhart, he's a famous writer. Writer in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> so you can choose. It could be a real thing that you were famous for, or it can be something that like you kind of fibbed a little bit about. Um, but people know you for this. You are a household name for whatever this thing is. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized I wrote down the question, but didn't really think about it beyond that. I have a joke answer out, off Please. the bat, but I feel like um, I'll, I'll actually give it some thought. I really wouldn't mind if I had invented the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Ooh, yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh -huh. That would be pretty nice, let's uh -huh. say. That's not a joke. That's great. Yeah. That'd be... Get well, it's just, it's just all... <laughs> Hurry up! I to do. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> if only. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of tricky because it has to be something that is good, I suppose, but also like, um, like you don't have any memory of it. So it's not something that'd be like amazing that you want to remember because mm-hmm. you don't really have that. So, hmm. I just yeah, thought you don't one. remember it. Hmm. Um, okay. Famous for having a tattoo of a dragon on my chest. so that you have the cool tattoo but don't remember all the pain maybe i don't even have the tattoo just like harry (laughs) it's just a everyone thinks i do yeah ah okay okay uh what else Hmm. and my brain immediately went to like some really serious things like She's famous for actually making a difference with systemic racism and eliminating that or yeah. like Defund healing the police, yeah, like changing, like giving money to healthcare and defunding the police. And, but like, there's a part of me that's like, if that were to actually happen as much as I want that to happen and I don't remember it, I'll live the rest of my life in like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like True. I didn't do that massive thing. And like, oh, I feel, so it's like, as much as I would sacrifice that to have, those things happen in our society. You'd rather remember being a part of it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. First That's female fair. president. Am I American? No, but I still succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't necessarily have to be America either. Other countries have yeah. presidents. <laughs> yeah. You're the first female president of the world. Of the yeah. world. Sold. Sold. <laughs> and you don't have to remember the campaign trail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Maybe something like, <laughs> I don't know why I keep thinking about this, but like, it'd be great just to be like famous for like doing a TikTok or something like that. Uh, and you're like, yeah. and people really like it because it's something where like I kind of play around with TikTok, but it's one of those, it's such a young platform and I am in my 30s <laughs> where like I kind of check it out every now and then, but I'm like, do I want to learn it? Yeah. I don't know. Am I going to really get into it? Probably What's not. it going to push out of my head when I learn it? Exactly. <laughs> I'll forget how to drive. Um, <laughs> That'd be a great TikTok. <laughs> old woman tries TikTok, forgets how to drive. <laughs> great. And then just kind of... I don't know, a... like something frivolous or something, but like something I wouldn't necessarily want to remember doing. Yeah, Do true. I want to remember learning TikTok and like doing a vid- video, but like reaping the benefits of it where you could like use that platform to then be like defund the police wear your masks yeah fuck white supremacy etc that would be great yeah you'd have the platform you could do it but like you don't have to remember getting there and doing the thing what if it was for a skill like you forgot that you're actually amazing at this skill and now you have (sighs) this skill like what if it was like i'm i'm no trained chef and then people are trying your food and you're like you're amazing you're this is way better than anything i've ever had and then you're just like sweet yeah that'd be dope but then have you forgotten that skill with your you just forgot learning it you still have like the uh ability right i suppose if it's like muscle memory that that Mm -hmm. yeah i guess muscle memory things would be better so like you're like awesome skateboarding or yeah you just if I'm do thinking it. of yeah, if I'm thinking of skill, I would definitely pick music. music. Oh, something yeah. like I'm a, you know, and then I just can pick up a guitar or sit down at a piano and be like, 
holy shit, I do know how to do this. <laughs> and music is really good for memory as well. Mm-hmm. So that would work mm-hmm. hand in hand. So you might yeah. start to remember again. Yeah. Can I play the piano anymore? <laughs> of course you can. Well, well I couldn't, couldn't before. before. <laughs> 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 ah. Okay, uh. going back to my original idea, I have a twist on it. Okay. I think my final answer is like, I would Lock be famous. It in. Lock it in. <laughs> Lock hard <it> my, in. <laughs> I wouldn't remember, but I would be famous for... Something that isn't as large as like, I healed the world, you know, like something that's not that big, but an element that I personally believe would help a lot of things. So I want to be famous for shutting down the NRA Hmm. and eliminating the NRA because although they're not a direct, they haven't been a, a part of a lot of the things going on. A lot uh, of their clientele they is... feed a lot of their money into things that are going on. Mm. So, if I even if I don't remember how I did it, I'd still be able to live with that. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. that's something that we don't need to remember anyway. Yeah, the NRA is just gone. Yeah, thanks to me. <laughs> well done, Kate. Well done. <laughs> and Katie cured COVID. <laughs> and I have a Frank, tattoo on my chest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we're all really killing it. Yeah, we're crushing yeah. it, right? We're, yeah, right. Crushing it. We're doing great. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, I like that one. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, that was thank fun, you, Laura. Um, so, yeah. Uh, topic? Topic. Yeah. Torpic. Torpic. Um, so our topic today is brought to us by uh, one of our listeners, Carla? Kara. Kayla? Kara. Yeah. Kara, um, so she wrote us a really long, wonderful email. Um, she's like a super kick-ass um, attorney, civil rights, right? uh, civil rights, and employment law inter- attorney. Cool. Yeah, and um, cool. Friggin, friggin, love that. Um, sorry, we haven't responded to you yet. I, we're, you'll hear this. I don't. Know. <laughs> I responded to her more recent email, so oh, okay. I figured we'd address this one in this. So, nice. Maybe a little response to it later, but the yeah. response is listen to the episode. Yeah, you the topic. <laughs> That's basically what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, we thought Amazing. this was so cool. We made a topic of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So, uh, yeah, the. The topic that she suggested is kind of like looking into, um, you know, the quote sportification or uh, or like just competition culture, as like as we see through Harry Potter. Do we think like what are the benefits of it? What are the drawbacks from it? Um, you know, what can that be? Uh, but just sort of starting off with her thoughts on it. So she says. Um, Potential topic for discussion, the sportification of everything, particularly politics and the damage it does to society. I have long held a theory that competition is way overrated and the media's habit of turning politics into a sport or treating political parties like teams has further divided society and created additional barriers to compromise. No one wants to be a loser or cheer for the losing team every time the media frames a compromise of any sort by Republicans. Obviously, this is coming from the American lens. Uh, particularly by noted small man, Donald Trump, hilarious, <laughs> as weakness or backing down. Uh, you know, she wants to scream in frustration. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have often lamented society's obsession with success and winning being the best. Um, I thought of this while listening to episode uh, 51 about our house point system. Uh, when one of you felt the need to walk back a comment about how nice it would be to give house points to people who work hard, even if the result is not remarkable. Uh, People deride the everybody gets a trophy culture, but I don't understand why. People who are great at things are going to get the reward in life. They need points and trophies and cheers less than anyone. People people should get trophies for things that are contrary to their self-interest or don't otherwise come with rewards. Um, She goes on to say, uh, why do people think competition is so great? The winning is everything culture pushed me to become overly competitive in life, which has ultimately resulted in perennial... being perennially disappointed in myself for not meeting expectations. Mm -hmm. It also caused me to undervalue and underdevelop skills and habits such as kindness and helping others. Um, The competition-based culture is the foundation for the modern Republican Party, which claims that anyone who can't hack it in this insanely rigged and biased system deserves to fail because they didn't work hard enough or simply aren't worthy, while capitalism was supposed to create a tide that floats all boats. Instead, we have a system in which only the strong survive, and if you aren't strong, then screw you. We measure the success of our society by GDP or the stock market rather than examining how many people are living below the poverty line while working more than 40 hours a week or how many people are developing mental illnesses and committing suicide because the pressure to to succeed is so high yet the bar for success is so high in sum i think the house point system is an example of deifying competition and sportifying everything in life while it seems fun i really do think it's harmful um not all nevels will have a coming-of-age story that involves standing up to fascist forces and playing a key role in defeating the darkest wizard of all time. Mm -hmm. Lots of Nevilles grow up, live, and die without ever meeting the standards imposed on them and without ever feeling a shred of self-worth because they never earned a house point. Um, Your podcast does a lovely job of championing the ideas that all houses are equally valuable, but the characters in the books and the prevailing views of the fandom demonstrate that society is not ready to accept it. I disagree with the idea that competition is a necessary force to provide an incentive for people to work hard or for society to move forward. People have an intrinsic drive to survive and do something worthwhile. And even if they don't, who cares? (laughs) Um, Does our society really need to develop a new smartphone more than it needs to develop some empathy and compassion for human beings? We have overvalued competition and I think we could stand to overcorrect for compassion. I want to give everyone a goddamn trophy, hmm. <laughs> i.e. a living wage, food, housing, and healthcare as basic human rights. Yeah. And she asks, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, and yeah, I mean, I just wanted to read that whole thing because I thought it was so well put. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, very well versed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah, any, any thoughts off the top, you guys? Yes. This is coming yeah. at an incredible time in my life right now that we're talking about this topic. Yeah. Uh, I am studying through Stanford University specifically on uh, the science behind compassion and empathy. Wow. And we talk a lot about competition culture. Mm. That's amazing. Perfect. compassion and the world of compassion and the ethics of competition and the ethics of empathy land with compassion. So... Take it away. Give us a yeah. TED talk right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm still in the I'm still in the program, so I haven't finished. But, yeah. but you haven't figured out if it's good or bad yet. Yeah. That's the last. That's yeah. the final. I just a lot of the things she said were like we spoke about this in class last week. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, 
And um, I don't know where to start. <laughs> do you guys have any initial thoughts? Or I, I do. Um, I've been thinking about it since I uh, read the email. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think there there's a problem where uh, competition has been used as a way to get people to succeed for so long that it's just ingrained in us. And for some people, it does work. And I think now there's kind of like a each side of the problem doesn't know the other side kind of exists or that's where empathy comes into play. Like you have to see that some people thrive with like they're competitive by nature. They, they need uh, to feel like um, it's more so about progress than hopefully just winning, like becoming Hmm. better, bettering yourself with competition, seeing results get better and better. Like if you were trying to run a marathon and you're lowering your time each time and just getting healthier yeah. and more fit and that's kind of what you you get out of it. But then there's the other side, like Kara, who or Kara, however you pronounce it, where yeah. competition doesn't really come into play and the really hardcore sports fans and athletes can't empathize and see that people don't care or like that side of society is valuable and there are other ways that we could be promoting uh people's growth mm-hmm. especially in schools like classic idea of like the gym teacher taking over a class and then suddenly it's a competition because that's all they know like that's very like Mm -hmm. typecast and that would be in a Mm -hmm. sitcom probably but yeah um and just the uh the fact that it should be left out of the classroom it should be that unfortunately the teacher's uh responsibility to be able to look at a student and seeing where they're excelling in and lead them to better themselves by either getting them to try something different maybe it's not competition based but something new that expands your mind that you aren't just in a rut like doing the same thing in school over and over like maybe you're doing well maybe you're doing badly either way it's Mm -hmm. it's not a a learning experience when you're just following along with what's been done for years and so it's like she said rewarding oh it was the neville part like yeah you might not get house points but each teacher should be able to have the energy and time to look at a student and say yeah you're not getting all the right right answers but you're you're doing really well in this i'd like you to try art or Mm -hmm. something that gets you out of your comfort zone but in a way that you're not directly competing against people who care way more about it than you do mm-hmm. and honoring individual growth mm-hmm. i think that competition leads to there's only a number one yeah where it's like if you are that other neville that kara speaks about having other people and yourself able to acknowledge where you have grown and where you have succeeded where you wouldn't have succeeded before that's a win. Mm-hmm. And just because you're not, you know, the, the number one that society wants to hold up on this gold platform, yeah, you're still succeeding because you're bettering yourself and that you are advancing with what your capabilities and capacities are. Mm-hmm. I also think it's really important, that's my personal opinion, 
which our society does not do when speaking about this, is separating sport from competition. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that actual sport, playing a game of footy with your friends, going out and shooting some hoops, or if you're a kid in high school and you're getting bullied and you take wrestling or you join a team and you feel like a part of a team or you start mm-hmm. to excel uh, as a sole tennis player or whatever, that it's a, a way to it's exercise, it's a way to move your body, it's an outlet. We see that um, empathetic distress actually starts in the body before it's processed in the brain. And that when you are suffering or when you are trying to process things, and suffering can be obviously many levels, but even just being a teenager, having an outlet where you can swing a bat, throw a ball, run around somewhere or whatever that you're interested in can be really helpful for some people. Mm -hmm. Some other people, it's like chess club, science club, you know, to excel their brain in that part of the world or Mm -hmm. just to have friends that are like them and, and they can feel like they're welcome somewhere. And where our society is, is that we blend the two together so much that we don't think we can have one without the other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it becomes problematic because I mean, also, as we know, professional sport, the, the amount of money and power and politics that is entwined with professional sport is just, is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I think I agree with Kara. It's, you know, you can, you can look at ever since the, um, March for Our Lives happened after the Florida school shooting and all the other horrific school shootings. We've seen the public posting about where politicians are getting their money from. Hmm. And then you start to learn about sport teams because they are way richer than they need to be supporting Mm -hmm. people that aren't doing good for the world. Well, and even like college schools, like not professional, like Uh, these are colleges and universities that have their football scholarships are way bloated than way more bloated than those players don't get paid yeah Yeah. but then again it all sort of comes down to i think what what care was saying as well is like capitalism what we are steeped in from a young age as this is the way the world works and this is the way the world needs to work is based on competition so even the people who you know thrive on competition and maybe that's how they measure themselves and how they measure themselves against others um that might be inherently wrong and that just might be learned behavior because maybe i don't know their parents maybe their siblings maybe they see it on tv these are the ways that you succeed as a person and this is what you need to do in your life Mm -hmm. um so if we were able to change that and had something that you know not necessarily because I know we have a lot of American listeners and Americans don't like the word socialism, but mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know, it, it basically means that you take care of people in your mm-hmm. own country. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we need to do more. And even as Canadians, we need to do that a lot more. Yeah. Um, something like a universal basic income, equal rights mm-hmm. for everybody, protections for people, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, putting more money into preventative measures and mm-hmm. healthcare, all this stuff would would radically change the way that people value success and mm-hmm. and that shouldn't that. be a trophy that should just be your like entry like wristband yeah. or whatever that, <laughs> that's like, the that's a basic yeah that's what you need to play the game yeah mm-hmm. the, you know this the soccer cleats rather than the prize at the end but like, yeah. I think I think that's a thing too, where sports just need to get uh, segmented more, or maybe they still are. But like when I was a kid, I played house league hockey, 
and <laughs> had the ability to go up to what we called the rep league, which was actually moving around and very competitive and stuff like that. But I just wanted to stay in house league because I was a hockey star. I, I was a big fish in a small pond, and I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like in that um, league, it was a you'd get a, a participation medal if you didn't win. Like the team got a trophy, but if your team didn't win, you'd still get something for competing, which I yeah. think in that, like that made sense because it was for fun. Whereas the the rep league was highly competitive and you're striving to win. And that's where a specific winning team needs to be celebrated because everyone's striving for that goal. So that, that works for them. Whereas if you're just trying to have fun, a house league or whatever you call just like a, I don't know, B team, even though that seems a little mean, but yeah. not everyone cares about the cup in a way. They just care about the fun they're going to have on the way to it. True. It's sometimes why I like watching solo sports in the Olympics. Darts? I remember this one. It was a Winter Olympics, and it was um, arguably the best Olympics. Yeah. So arguably, you come at me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was a speed skater, and he wasn't part of a team. He was solo, and I don't remember what country he was from. And the the race went. The three people that crossed the finish line happened first. I think he crossed fifth or sixth, and he had a reaction like he had won the gold medal. Hmm. And it's because he looked up at the board. He saw his time. And he was like, I've never been that fast in my life. That's yeah. amazing. And they, they interviewed him afterwards. And he was like, I know I wasn't going to win the medal. But I was trying for my personal record, my personal best. I'm at the Olympics. I made it here. I'm the only one from my country. And I did that. Yeah. I'm bringing yeah. that home. And that should be celebrated. That's exactly, That's I like think, it, what yeah. me tear was... up. That's I know, so right? fucking nice. Like, 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 it was just like... And you can see that a couple times, like with swimming yeah. and a lot of solo sports, obviously. And I'm sure with teams as well. Like, I know that um, some people are really proud that they've made it. And they know they're not going to beat Canada hockey or, you know, I think part they of won't, but they might. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Come at me. No. Competition <laughs> like, has changed. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> Russian gymnastics or US, yeah. you know, like yeah. they know that they're not the leader, but they're so proud because it's amateur sport. They're so proud that they've made it and that mm -hmm. they're representing their country in something that's not usually represented. Now, with that being said, if you focus on larger countries that are very present in the Olympics, you can still see a lot of these problems that Kara talks about. Um, I don't want to... Well, it's a I business. Mean, it's a business. Like, if you look at the United States team, if you look at Canada's team, if you look at Russia's team, it can get really, really corrupt. Yeah. And we, I'm They're not gonna getting that up, McDonald's money. Yeah, I'm not going to bring yeah. up the stories that we've all heard, but there's a lot of things that go down like professional sports that, you know, make me uncomfortable. But yeah, yeah it's... I think another large element that I have thought about for a long time that plays into this as well that we're actually, they're studying now along with COVID as well, is that there is a huge correlation between domestic violence uh, counts and sport. Mm. And mm. whether your team is losing or winning is Lord. more domestic violence or not. And they were also worried. They, I mean, the reports haven't come out. I haven't seen any at least, but they were worried when COVID started to happen about what would happen with domestic violence victims and the accounts because these people committing these crimes don't have their sport mm -hmm. and they don't have the thing they turn to. And they're locked so it's, up it's, together. And they're locked up together. So it's it's a tricky 
Hmm. It's really interesting when competition gets such a toxic mm-hmm. culture around it. You get em- emotionally it. involved in yeah. whether a team wins or loses so yeah. much that it can really um, change your personality. You. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's tied in with addictions, gambling, drinking, drugs, different cultures mm-hmm. like that. And, and it can have a lot of adverse effects you know mm-hmm. so whether there is sport or not sport like they predicted that with no sport they were going to see a spike in domestic violence especially because of isolation that's another layer to add on to it that you have to keep separate but mm-hmm. they you know i haven't seen anything come out yet but i remember reading some articles at the beginning of covid about this is not good this yeah, is not good right. you know yeah. so it's a fine line to walk because if you eliminate sport completely I it's an outlet. You know, a lot of people, people could suffer. Yeah. Yeah. But then if their team's losing, they suffer anyways because yeah. of this toxic competition culture that we've created. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't think us or, or even Kara is saying eliminate sport. It's just yeah. more like no. uh, we need a healthier attitude towards it. And we need to make sure that it's not like tied into, like just to bring it Our back being. to Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. for like, the first time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like if you think about... Um, like Ron, when he, in the sixth book, when he started playing for the Gryffindor Quidditch team, like he was good enough that like he's like, a he's a decent keeper, you know, um, apparently he wasn't like the best one that tried out, but there was, you know, attitude problems or, mm-hmm. you know, someone else had like a conflicting gobstones club or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he got in and um, like just psychological, like, pressure he was under was just immense and it made him worse at something that should be enjoyable and should be fun Mm -hmm. but it's also just like as she said like these teams become tribes and like the tribal ideas like with when when humans interact with other tribes whatever they may be they get so angry and they get Mm -hmm. so defensive and they you know it kind of brings out sort of the worst part in humanity in some ways um, and it would be, like, better if, like, uh, to go back to your point about, like, house intramurals, like, when I was a uh, kid, we'd we'd have, um, you'd have, like, the red team, the yellow team, blue and green, and there'd be, like, four houses that, you know, when you play indoor ball hockey or mm-hmm. basketball or whatever sport that you could do um, during lunch, um, that's, you'd play with your team, but you're just randomly assigned it every mm-hmm. year. So there's not really, it wasn't really that tribalistic of yeah. course, people wanted to win just to win because it mm-hmm. feels good to win. It's always mm-hmm. going to feel good to win. It's kind of like a natural um, feeling of like success and and okay, you know, I'm not, yeah. maybe not going to get eaten by a lion today. But <laughs> like, you know, if people like to be good at stuff, of course, yeah. um, and social pressure and all these things mm-hmm. that we are ingrained with and probably won't ever go away. But it's just more like, how can we break that up and, and keep it? or even like support it with mental health in a way that it doesn't become like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the part of compassion that Kara was talking on is, is maybe not um, like winning does feel good and it feels good to work your hardest work as a team or your solo personal best and to achieve something. But systemically looking at the base of it, that means the loser looks weak mm-hmm. and removing that, ideology that losing is weak yeah. i think is something really important for society and that if every human worked on their compassion instinct and if every human brought compassion into a situation like that 
they would be able to possibly, I mean, we've never seen it happen, so I'm totally guesstimating here, but I think you would be able to, um, a more compassionate sport, a more compassionate player would be able to see wins all around, kind of to sound cheesy about it, but like that team won, but we also did this, Yeah. or I feel like I've achieved this, and look at you, you succeeded in this today. You're the member of the team that you're not the captain, maybe, but you succeeded in this today. And that helped us achieve this. And acknowledging that instead of just what did we do wrong? We are weak. We're not the best is that's where that personal toxicity that has been ingrained in us starts to break it down. And then the anger and Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff arises. And then you get the nastiness that comes around with that culture, you know? That's a good description of what the participation trophy should be. Whereas Mm -hmm. it's not like just giving a trophy to everyone just because they tried. It's Mm -hmm. specific to the person. Like, I'd rather be on the losing team because Mm -hmm. you know it's way more of a payoff if you win against Mm -hmm. a team that is better than you. And it's the only way to kind of learn, uh, especially when it comes to sports, is to like play someone who's more experienced and you learn that way and it's a little sad that everyone is against the idea of participation Mm -hmm. trophies because i think it's just too general yeah and it always for harry potter specifically i always felt like even when i was reading the books for the first time as a kid i always felt like you all go to the same school yeah like you all are hogwarts school members like where does that come in where we're like yay hogwarts and then we see that Uh, a little bit with the triwizard games but but then it's like uh, hatred on these other schools and like it's just it's it's really interesting that it's It's, like when you see people jump on bandwagons and stuff and mm -hmm. it's like so you can drop your opinion about your team it's like hockey for instance i I know the most about that i'm canadian (laughs) so it's like you're really a fan of this team but they don't make it so then okay well then i'm gonna cheer for them because i don't want calgary to win so i guess i'll have (laughs) to cheer for for the canadians because boo calgary but i'm like but you're a hardcore leafs fan so if you can drop your leafs attitude when the leafs are finally out like it eventually interesting. You feel How people so quickly change their opinion, but yet they're so aggressive yeah. on their opinion. Well, because they you see that in the Harry Potter world, right? And they mm-hmm. still want to be a part of the competition and the end game. Like they still yeah. want to see the the final winner. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like if if your team was out and then you just stopped watching, I think that'd be more selfish than anything. Yeah, I think that. A- better model for Hogwarts at least would be like everybody wins or loses points for Hogwarts and Mm -hmm. at the end of the year if they have like a certain amount of points maybe they get a pizza party like you gotta have the pizza party model where it's like there's some reward (laughs) you know for for everybody you know because you get rewards for like answering questions right Mm -hmm. doing your homework like you should get hit points for things like helping other people out mm-hmm. or you get points for, um, you know, trying something new or, you know, whatever. It's like more like, I guess, personal growth or even just like not getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Like, you and know like, what I mean? Like we don't always have to get better. Yeah. Sometimes just staying where you are is a huge accomplishment because mm-hmm. it's really tough in this world because it's, it's shit a lot of the time. So you know, not even just like, oh, I'm progressing. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm surviving. I'm surviving. 
you're going through something maybe. Yeah, you and know you've what? Done like well. Yeah. Which is really interesting that you bring that up, Katie, because that's kind of, I mean, for Canada, uh, I can only speak for Canada, but that's our kindergarten model. Like when I was in kindergarten, I got a gold star for helping someone on the schoolyard. Or I knew if I said please and thank you, or I yeah. was patient in line, or and my gold stars would raise up, and then I'd get to take a toy from the toy box or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Stickers, I think, was a thing, right? Yeah. And it's like, so we know that enough as adults that we teach it or I hope that we teach it to our children. And I know a lot of teacher friends that have same sort of gold star methods in their classrooms or ways when a, when a student, a kindergarten student shows kindness, shows compassion, shows that they're willing to help another classmate, that they get rewarded for that activity. But why do we drop that immediately after kindergarten? Yeah. Like why, is, why is after five we don't support that and it's theory. like job done now all yeah. competition yeah. forget all yeah. that real right? like, it's starts, like kids <laughs> yeah like even i have a really young niece and nephew and acknowledging when they've done something nice or mm. when they're being polite or even um i've noticed my brother and sister-in-law acknowledging when they have processed an emotion oh, like okay. my my niece the other day was like i need a minute to calm down and she Whoa. removed herself from the playroom and was like i just need to be alone for a second and and they really acknowledge that like that's good take mm-hmm. a breath like they're working with breath work with her and and because she has some patience issues but um as the you know she's only she's yeah, a kid. So this yeah. Is incredible. of course she does yeah right but it's Who has like patience as a three-year-old exactly right but it's like okay so this is all gonna stop after five yeah, why aren't we dumb. continuing this language and this type of reward system if you want to call it that yeah and it's like why aren't we competing to be who's the nicest mm-hmm <laughs> Miscongeniality, sp- po- yeah, you know, all weak. around, yeah, yeah, agreed. But it's it's when you were just saying that, Katie, I was like, wait, I've had this in kindergarten, <laughs> and then after that, it was like, okay, who's the who's the coolest? Who's the strongest? Who gets A's and plays sport and is the captain of their team? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that was never me. And it's a but, small number. Yeah, yeah. The winners is a small number of people. Yeah, and, and it's usually yeah. going to be like the same groupish sort yeah. of. Yeah going around like high achievers yeah. like hermione mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and then we only praise the the underdogs when they've they succeeded win, yeah. yeah yeah if they win exactly and yeah. and and that's the only reason we can like them mm-hmm. yeah. you know is like oh yeah. they made it at the end it's like well yeah. what if they didn't and you know yeah. what they're just trying their best the cool running a- story <laughs> they don't win yet it's a great story yeah right yeah like celebrate Stepping out of your comfort zone and trying something new. And like there is, there are stories like that, that do Mm -hmm. happen in sport Mm -hmm. and do happen in real life. And we, you know, have to acknowledge that it does happen, but it's definitely not as prized in our society as Mm -hmm. it should be. Mm -hmm. And like Hermione, she reads everything. She, she does her best to do like all the research in the world. She finds it enjoyable first off, but she does like being the person with the answers. Mm -hmm. And you can tell like, when other people score higher on her, it really bothers her. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. because she's all of a sudden not the best, it's not really anything to do with, well, I gained the knowledge for myself, isn't that nice? It's yeah. like, she is extremely competitive. I mean, she's a Gryffindor. Especially and if like, it comes easy to them or comes mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that she thinks is mm-hmm. not playing by the rules, yeah. which I can attest to <laughs> in Well, school. true, but even... Even when uh, when she's admitting that Harry does better than her in Defense Against the Dark Arts, you can tell mm-hmm. it bothers her, yeah. even though mm-hmm. yeah, that's Harry a good, earns good it. Good example. Mm-hmm. 
but she's still like pissed. <laughs> and her boggart was was McGonagall telling her she's failed everything. Like yeah. that's her deepest fear. Well, I mean, yeah. when she was thirteen. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. telling. Like, if that's enough to drive a girl to tears, mm-hmm. then we need to do better. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. There's just again, there's not enough safety net. There's not enough. People are scared of failing because sometimes failure means poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. injury. Taking Death a chance with your be. life rather than just taking a chance on trying something. Exactly. And, like, you know, it's way too fetishized in, in yeah. high school. And, like, lots of uh, teen dramas and shit, they're just, like, they make it seem like high school is, is the be-all and end-all and competition within high school, either with yourself or with others academically, through sport, socially. Well, you know, yeah. I, all of that is pretty fucked up. Like, you can have high school students who think that if they mess up their whole life is going to be derailed like people going for sports um scholarships and stuff like that to eventually become pro or if they fail this test in high school they won't make it into harvard and stuff like that and become a lawyer to live a comfortable life and and high school to me is like no decision should be made that affect yeah. the rest of your life. Your brain is yeah. literally still developing. Even if I'm changing my career yet. now, yeah. post university, yeah. and I'm I'm succeeding, and I feel like I'm at a learning stage of my life. That's been I've completed a university degree. I got my high school education, and right now I feel like oh fuck yeah, like I'm expanding my horizons even more. And yeah. I'm in my thirties. Yeah, like calm down. This choose your life now at yeah. sixteen. Yeah. Like, I did it. You don't even I have did the emotional. Years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't have EQ enough. I mean, we don't support the growth of EQ in our school systems. That's a conversation for another day, an opinion I hold my own. But, I like, you don't know yourself enough at 16 to decide your life. And I mean, there are rare cases. Yeah. A lot of people do know what they want to do. And they go through Mm -hmm. high school, they have a plan, and, and the rest of their life is set. But I don't think that that's the majority of people. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's expected to at least try to do that where when it's completely insane to me. Like I took mm-hmm. uh, the like grade 13 oh, um, was canceled. Victory yeah. lap. Victory and lap. Because I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do after high school. And they make you yeah. start setting up like things in grade 11 maybe. Yeah, when you're like 16, 17. Like fuck crazy. that. <laughs> make sure you have... You choose the courses that you'll need for yeah. grade 12 to apply to the university programs or college programs. Yeah. It's And maybe it's better yeah. now. I don't know. I don't oh, talk yeah, to don't too know. many high school students, I but I doubt it. I feel like I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think um, there's still stigma of taking a break between high school and university. Yeah. Or taking a victory lap. I think there's still stigma around that, which is Unfortunate. insane. But my years off, my grade 13 was my best favorite year of high school it Mm. changed my idea on high school so much that i look back on it fondly now whereas if i had left i would have been like no i high school was the worst four years of my life and i'm gonna move on from then but that single-handedly changed it for me and then my year off after university was like really just helped me figure out what i wanted to try not Mm -hmm. focus on what i want to do for the rest of life what do i want to try right now that would 
make me better and make me happy. Mm-hmm. And then it yeah. happened again when I quit my job. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a bad idea to have no idea what the hell you want to do with your yeah. life. Pause and reflect. And yeah. I, I hate like we define ourselves by our jobs so much. Mm-hmm. And that annoys me. Sometimes I find myself being like, oh, I'm a designer. And then I'm like, no, I work as a designer. That's what I do. And like sometimes like, you know, I used to have a career as a makeup artist. And sometimes I I catch myself being like, oh, I was a makeup artist. And then I was like, no, I used to work as a makeup artist. Mm -hmm. Like we have to stop like defining ourselves by the way we get money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the part of the job you enjoy? That's what you are. You were a designer of people's faces. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's a... it's different. Now I do it with apps instead. But like, yeah. there's too much pressure as well. When you're young, people are like, you have to be funneled into this thing. And that's your thing. And, and we've all had that experience where that hasn't been the case. And, and even if you do have something where you're like, I know from like, the time I was five years old, I want to be, you know, a doctor or a veterinarian, or, you know, a pharmacist or something like that, you're whatever. And and you go through a school, dentist. a dentist, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. You go through school, <laughs> maybe that's what Who maybe you want to do. Who knows? Um, but uh, even if you do everything right, it doesn't mean that you're going to succeed as that job. Like, I'm just thinking, like for us, we all went through, you know, fine arts programs, and lots of people who are very talented and who are very good at art do not succeed making money as an artist. So even people who check all the boxes, do everything right. Like, it was really disillusioning, I think, for a lot of people, especially coming out of um, university into a recession, where there was like, oh, no, you can't make money at doing this. You're going to have to have a side job. And does that mean you failed at it? Or does that mean that our society just values the wrong things? Or And the competitive nature of getting into one of those arts programs. Yeah. You have to be good already to get in especially in university but like Mm -hmm. college was the same i didn't get into my animation course the first year i had to take art fundamentals first and i was fine doing that but like the competitive nature does not it's not balanced by the uh availability of jobs when you're done Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like this weird funnel that never opens up into a bigger vessel it's just a Mm. weird tight little funnel that just keeps going yeah the one thing i wanted to add in was about the trophies if i can go back to that for a second Mm -hmm. you sure can hey (laughs) (laughs) i do think it's problematic not for what the the general opinion is. It's a different opinion I hold, but I do think it's pro- problematic if we just hand trophies to everyone. My personal opinion is that that is a Band-Aid solution. Mm-hmm. What is a statue, something that sits on your shelf? How is that actually going to change yeah. the system? There is a lack of human processing. We seem to not be able to take something, reflect on it, and yeah. then make our opinion or then make our actions based on that. If I just get handed a trophy, it's like, you participated. Is that actually teaching me compassion towards myself 
and what I've achieved and how I've grown or not grown and where I made a mistake and can maybe change something to, to do it differently next time. Mm-hmm. Is that giving me the compassion then to look outwardly at other people? Wow, you achieved that. That's incredible. And you achieved this. That's also incredible. Is it is a, a badge I wear on my shirt or around my neck because I came in last place going to give me that? No, it's it's, it's going to be a you know, negative. It's, it's going to equate to a negative in your mind. Yeah, it's not actually changing the way people view participation. Yeah. They're going to get a participation award and still feel weak. Yeah. They're going to still feel like a loser. Mm -hmm. And if you're just handing out awards, it doesn't mean anything. It's not addressing the real problem at its root. And there's going to be people, when they lose, they become aggressive Mm -hmm. or they go inwards. And that's still going to happen. It's not going to slow down anything. Yeah, exactly. Right? So... I, this whole trophy to what are you going to give a trophy to everyone it's like no i don't think that's what people are saying when they talk about toxic competition culture and i don't think that's the solution either well and I, I i don't know in a way it's kind of unfortunate because it needs to come with something more direct i'm thinking of children specifically mm-hmm. to connect with them emotionally so the the coach or the parent, or the team captain, someone with enough compassion and empathy needs to be the person who says, this is your trophy for trying your hardest, or Mm -hmm. like every kid needs that participation trophy to mean something specific to that Mm -hmm. personal growth to them and hear it from someone that they Mm -hmm. respect and trust. And then they Mm -hmm. can become that compassion compassionate empathetic person to the next person when they see someone struggling and they lose but maybe they did really well in this aspect and that's Mm -hmm. what you kind of have to celebrate with the participation trophy Mm -hmm. rather than just you showed up Mm -hmm. because sometimes you're being forced to like parents force their kids into sports all the time so agreed yeah it's not a positive reinforcement at that point it's just like a chuck it on the wall kind of thing professional sports is a business because the competitive model of capitalism which i don't think should be competitive (laughs) either i think there is an element that needs to be competitive but the whole thing about capitalism capitalism shouldn't be a competition just like politics like that's insane to me. And I think if somehow competition could be an, an inwards thing versus an outwards show, like performative yeah. allyship versus actual real allyship that we're learning about these days, it's like, is there somehow that we can take this drive? Because the nice thing about competition is the drive it gives people. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to strive for something, but personalize it yeah. and not put it as a like, I want to hold this gold above all your other people's heads and show it to the world. To have that sense of winning for yourself Mm -hmm. is there you know that's what society needs to move forward with but i don't know how just celebrate the people that are doing that more Mm -hmm. so than the person who teabags their enemy when they kill them (laughs) in some game or like that kind of culture like the i'm better than you Mm -hmm. i'm going to remind you of that fact yeah like you have no idea what the other person was going through at that moment like especially in the olympics like you see someone have an off day and it's heartbreaking or you see someone fall and they've done this a thousand times and you're just like this is the worst day this could have happened to you on and 
it's soul wrenching, but at the same time, you you see these heroic moments as well. And I think that's the benefit of sport is you get this wide view of humanity and human ability, and both ends should be celebrated rather than saying like, gold medal is it. Yeah. If you if you get silver, boo. <laughs> yeah. If I grew up as a Quidditch lover. And I grew up in a wizarding house and I was like, I want to go to school. I want to play Quidditch. I want to get on that Quidditch team. I want to get on that Quidditch team so bad. Mm -hmm. And I got sorted into Gryffindor and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I know that first years can't be Quidditch players, but I'm going to try out second year for the team and I'm going to work hard. I'm going to study flying and all that, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw Harry Potter first year get put on as the, as the seeker. I'd be like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Like, yeah, this guy's had honestly. a gold spoon his whole life. Yeah. And yeah, okay, he's had trauma. He's lost you wouldn't his parents. Know that, he's grown though. up an orphan. Exactly. But <laughs> yeah, it's you like, don't care. know how... As a teenager, just his life trying... Has been. Exactly. He didn't share that with people. We just know it as a reader. Mm -hmm. But I would know that his parents had died. That was yeah. public yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And that, you know... But I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I have been waiting for this... Since I was a kid, I fly around my backyard. I play Quidditch with my brothers and sisters. I follow the sport. Mm -hmm. And this asshole first year who knew nothing about it gets it. Like, I'd be pissed. And Which... also, like, it's a good point. Like, why aren't there just more, I don't know, Quidditch teams that are just for fun? Like, there's well, only yeah. seven available places for, like, houses that are approximately 200 students. And would That's make bananas. no sense. You'd need to have uh, backups. Like You'd a backup and exactly. someone got hurt or yeah. was tired. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When when Malfoy was like, I hurt my arm, I can't play. They just yeah. couldn't play that day. So yeah. then yeah. they had to f play Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff or something like that. And, yeah, rescheduled. Um, yeah, and it's just like, that's crap. You, this is like the biggest game in in the Wizarding World. Mm. They should just be allowed to play it if they want to play it. Like for fun with other teams. That's and really, the only physical education they get, other than um, Lupin's uh, obstacle course <laughs> yeah. in third year, yeah, like, yeah. And, and they're sitting down. On yeah, <laughs> only Quidditch. There's no other sports. Nothing. Mm. Like nothing else. Not even nothing. soccer, no. where yeah, like, most of what? your <laughs> students would probably watch that when they're at home or something. Like you guys well, have magic. Students. Yeah. Do you know how many sports you could come up with that are way better than the Muggle World sports? Right? You have magic. Why is it just one? Blah. Didn't we do like a question like how would you make a a sport Muggle magical? sport magical? I think we did. I think yeah. we did. We did a that we was, did an yeah. episode like three years ago about wizarding <laughs> yeah, sports. Um, but like we could always revisit it because there's yeah. there's yeah. more to talk about. But yeah, that's a really good point. Like it's just in the Harry Potter books, it's so there's so few people who can participate. And mm -hmm. it's so incredibly, like, competitive. And, like, things like students were injuring other students. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, well, well we happens. put him in a vanishing cabinet because we're, the big game was coming up. And it's like, I'm sorry, you could have killed him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? It's Quidditch. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be that much. But, of course, like, as a writer, you want to heighten the drama. Yeah. You want to have some real-world con consequences. You want to have the... the the failures and the triumphs and stuff like that, but it doesn't have to be the only that. way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I do want to say that this I was agree. a deep dive 
on this topic, but <laughs> I personally loved Quidditch the first time I read about it. Yeah. I thought it was so cool that yeah. also the writer invented a new sport. Yeah. Like, that was really cool to me, and, like, that magic incorporated with sports that was fun to read about. And for someone who's not on the side of pro sports, I don't really follow any sports, I would follow Quidditch. Yeah. Sounds cool to me. So I think it but just, it needs just the house league it. level. Yeah. It needs, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, play against your houses or maybe just do, like with hockey sticks in the middle, brooms in the middle, we'll pick sides. Someone has to play keeper. You yeah. never know who's going to be. Um, yeah. And then you have a Hogwarts team that is highly competitive. If, if yeah. they were more open, the schools, they could go to Durmstrang and mm-hmm. fight their team. And <laughs> that makes a little more sense when it's that competitive. But when you're seeing these kids in the hall that you're supposed to get along with and you hate their guts because they're on just the Just because other of the team, house they're in. Yeah. yeah. You don't know them. They're just wearing colors. Yeah. yeah. It's the same with the house points. Like the... Yeah unnecessary competition between these kids you you were stuck with you're living with them and they're already separated from you because they're slightly different personality wise so it's very easy for you to be like no fuck them (laughs) i hate them yeah what i do like with the house points is that it does acknowledge any department it's not just yes because they were good at wizard chess we don't see any wizard chess at hogwarts they were good at they were good at potions or they were good at transfiguration or really good at herbology. Like yeah. there was students winning points for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now they weren't as many points as you won Quidditch yeah. or you did this big brave thing. And that doesn't exist it, that I've seen in the muggle world. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not cool if you excel at chess. Like you're cool to the chess world, but like the, the jocks out there would be like, no, you know, like, well, when I was in high school, it was like nerd. And like, there was no acceptance of different types mm-hmm. or if you were really smart in class that's your strength and people are like yeah awesome thanks for giving us house points for yeah acing that test or whatever you know yeah that, that that's would a be really nice to see too like yeah but yeah i mean like you still have to succeed even if it's in that class mm. you have to answer the questions right and even right. to your point like hermione gets tons of points for gryffindor because she answers all mm. the questions right but like mm. her peers still think she's like a bossy know-it-all yeah. And they don't yeah. respect that, mm-hmm. yeah. even though that's getting them a lot of points. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it should be more. And Luna might have achieved points that we don't know about, but she was still bullied. Yeah. I mean, she we never see her in... really bullied. Yeah, yeah, we never see her in, uh, Class. in classes, which yeah. where points usually are given out. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would imagine so, because she is such a out-of-the-box thinker. She probably mm-hmm. gets to some different solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's... That goes back to my point where it's like up to the teacher, really. It's up to Mm. someone to pay attention enough and reward the child for doing something that helps them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that all starts with uh, giving them the resources Mm. so that they're not so exhausted and run off their feet that they can Mm. pay attention because it's all energy. Focusing on Mm -hmm. 30 children at one time or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Keeping, Keeping your citizens in the dark and ignorant is proven time and time again to be a bad model for a society so mm-hmm. the science behind empathy and compassion is that they are two very separate things um empathy is i feel angry with you i feel your pain i am in pain with you and compassion is wanting to relieve that suffering so it's compassion is actually an action 
where empathy is a response. And you need to have an empathetic response first. It's how compassion starts. It's the initial thing. But you actually have to move forward mm. and act to be compassionate. You don't feel compassion in a way, like that's the new science around it, is that you don't, um, I'm having a compassionate response. No, you're having an empathetic response and you need to step into active compassion, which is relieving of suffering. And that's where, as we see with, you know, a lot of people, that's where they give up and they don't act on it. They don't help to relieve the suffering or they don't know what to do, even if they want to have that innate, I want to help relieve the suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot. You have to work on your compassion. You have it instinctively, but you have to grow it. Yeah. You have to work on it. And otherwise you get stuck in empathetic distress mm-hmm. that you, you just feel overwhelmed and shut down and turned off and don't care. And this is too much. And, and that's an that's empathy a attack. To be. <laughs> yeah. It's an actual thing. Yeah. It's, I've it's, been feeling it a lot lately. Me too. Yeah. But yeah, that's really interesting, Kate. Yeah, it's. Yeah, like the, I mean, I'm only at the first quarter of this program, but cool. fucking love it. <laughs> Join us again and tell us the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll come back in the winter. <laughs> cool. Um, Does anyone well, have, but, have anything yeah. else to say for, for this? No, just thank you, Kara, for that. Yeah. Like, yeah definitely lovely. appropriate for an episode. I think we proved that. <laughs> <laughs> we chatted a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But thank you very much for the emails, and uh, we'll get back to you on the rest of the email stuff uh, yeah. after recording, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we split Kara's points for all the houses? I'm <laughs> into that, yeah. House points for Hogwarts. Yeah. House points to Hogwarts <laughs> from Kara. <laughs> I'll add that in right now. Nice. Noise, noise, noise. Okay, you guys ready for quizzles? Quiz us. Quiz away. Quiz Speaking of competition, I'm yeah. going to fail, <laughs> but that's okay. I know I'm smart. Nice. All right, so guys, uh, this will be a little bit on theme, and um, what I'm asking for is uh, there's a line in there. I want you to tell me who said it, and then what book, and then bonus points for the chapter title. Okay. So the question or the quote is, they walked down the dark lawn to the Quidditch stadium, turned through a gap in the stands and walked out onto the pitch. What have they done to it? Blank said indignantly, stopping dead. Say it one more time. Yeah. They walked down the dark lawn to the Quidditch stadium, turned through a gap in the stands and walked out onto the pitch. What have they done to it? Blank said indignantly, indignantly, stopping dead. If it's tricky, I can keep reading. No, I'm just, I'm stuck on chapter title. Same. Okay. I'm going with a guess for that one, but I'm, I think. Okay, Craig, I, I got I yours. Got Maybe not, though. I have been wrong before. So, in order that I received them, Craig said, Cedric Diggity. Autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Goblet of Fire, and the chapter title is The Maze. Mm. And Kate said, Cedric, book four, fire goblets. And then she said, the third task for the Ooh, bonus point. That's probably. Yeah. So you guys got the first two both right. Yay! Sweet. Woo! 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 Uh, five <laughs> points for each correct answer for Hufflepuff and Gryffindor. You did not get the last, uh, the bonus yeah. 
points, but the chapter title is called The Madness of Mr. Crouch. Yeah. Oh, right. So then they see him after the right. the Quidditch pitch is revealed. Yeah. But it is tricky because it's got kind of got nothing to do with right. that. Right, yeah, because that's much, much earlier. Because mm-hmm. there's a few chapters until they actually go into it, right? They're yeah, this is where it, they're... It's not completely grown in yet or something? Yeah, like if I'm if I was to read ahead... Um, it said the Quidditch pitch no longer was no longer smooth and flat. It looked as though someone had been building long, low walls all right. over it, twisting and crisscrossing in every direction. Right. Gotcha. Uh, so well done, you guys. I thought I might trick trick a few of you to to say Harry instead of Cedric, but well done, well done. It was walking down in the dark that I was like, Goblet of Fire. <laughs> it's so dark. Yeah. That one. So you uh, slither in, and everyone got five points. Then cool. Everyone I mean, wins. Yeah. <laughs> Compassion that's, for all. We'll ce- celebrate one. getting the first two right, and uh, we'll yeah. know to work harder on our chapter titles and better yes. ourselves for the next but it's one. Okay, because <laughs> we still succeeded. Yeah, <laughs> and we had fun. Yeah. Didn't we have fun, you guys? Yeah, it's it's on brand today, you know? Sports sportsness. Go sports. Good quiz though, Katie. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What is next? Uh Dragons. Oh yeah. So this Dope. castaway is kind of changed, as I'm sure most of you are aware. We now pit fantasy staples against the their Harry Potter equivalent. So today, like we mentioned last episode, will be dragons from fantasy uh, TV, books, movies, anything, uh, versus the dragons in Harry Potter. Wait, we're we're coming up with a battle between no, two dragons? No, just comparing Wait, them. Con- like Compare and contrast. How are they different? Different uh... fantasy elements versus Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, like before our first one, Craig did uh, like the Weasley Wizarding fireworks versus Gandalf's fireworks. Okay. And then we did uh, Aragog versus Shelob or other big spiders in fantasy. Gotcha. And uh, now we're doing dragons. So like how do other fantasy series compare their dragons to uh, to Harry Potter? Yeah. Gotcha. We got a good email from uh, Becky who had some thoughts on dragons. Yeah, um, she was the one who, who emailed about Aragog and Shelob as well, yes. right? Yeah, so I've, awesome. I've found someone who's uh, interested <laughs> in this topic or this uh, idea. So Becky says, there are, in my opinion, two types of dragons in fiction, dragons that behave more like animals and dragons that are more sentient. There are a lot of blurred lines, of course, but the line I draw is the ability to talk, communicate with humans. There are exceptions, of course, like in the New Wings of Fire Ya series, where the dragons are sentient protagonists. Y-A, not Ya. Why not? (laughs) It's Ya to me. Why Uh, Ya? Ya. Dragons are sentient protagonists, and humans are portrayed (laughs) as animals and prey, which sounds amazing. I'm definitely, like, I looked that up, and I'm Mm. going to try and read that. Uh, Yeah, sounds awesome. For her, this places the dragons from the HP universe in the animal category. They are in good company alongside the classic idea of a Western dragon and the dragons in in franchises such as Game of Thrones. 
some more sentient dragons like Smaug from Lord of the Rings retain the classic stereotype of Western dragons, such as hoarding gold and general bloodthirstiness. It has become more common today to dress dragons up and make them misunderstood heroes. How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, my cat is named after Night Fury, mm-hmm. the Night Fury, so I like that uh, comparison. Or even <laughs> Victims Dragonheart, which we just watched maybe a couple months ago, which is that's s- still great. Dragon, that's the first dragon that came yeah. to mind was Draco from Dragon's yeah, Heart. He's classic. Yeah, <laughs> Sean Connery. They are also made adorable like the dragons in My Little Pony or Mushu from Milan. And that's not even touching the tradition of Eastern Dragon, which is <laughs> very different and equally as interesting and cool. Because like, uh, we just watched Studio Ghibli stuff came on to Netflix. Mm. And yeah. one of them where like, the dragon, the spirit of a river was a dragon. And Princess Mononoke? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think yeah. we watched that one yet. But. I watched that one a long time ago, but I remember it being like, protect the earth, etc. Yeah. The rest of it, the story was a little weird. but So Becky continues with, I personally have always preferred the types of dragons voiced by John Hurt. Yeah. Which... Look how that's a category. Yeah. yeah. Is there more than one? With the exception of my all-time favorite, Elliot from Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Long story short, you have bitten off a lot when you choose dragons as a topic. I could talk about dragons for weeks. Well, yeah, that's probably true, and this is going to gloss over a lot of facts, but I think mm-hmm. dragons are friggin' cool, too. Yeah, 100%. So, um, Dragonheart popped into your head. Any others? Smog pops into mine, obviously, with Lord of the Rings. Even just looking at, like, Draco from Dragonheart. Now, I did not watch Game of Thrones, but I know enough about the Mother of Dragons and her relationship with the dragons. And, like, looking at that human-dragon relationship. Like, Draco and Bowen in in Dragon's Heart had that friendship. Mm-hmm. And, like, spoiler alert, Draco was like, you have to kill me to kill the bad guy. Mm. And Bowen couldn't do it, you know? And because they were this friendship that they built together since childhood and that kind of stuff. And then all the way to a relationship where the dragons in Game of Thrones don't speak, right? No. Yeah, and then, but they do what the mother of dragons wants them to do. And there's this connection. And when a dragon dies, it's, she's heartbroken or, I mean, I can't speak to it, but that's what I know, Mm -hmm. what I've heard, but like Mm -hmm. different types of human dragon relationships. And then in Harry Potter, where it's something to be feared. Yeah. And even the bravest of wizards, like Charlie coming home with scars and burn marks and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And there's no human relation with a dragon other than a creature that they want to Hagrid with. is the closest we get. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind yeah. of one-sided. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like it d- domesticated versus non-domesticated. Like the Harry mm-hmm. Potter dragon dragons are wild, mm-hmm. whereas some of the other dragons, like the, the, um, the Game of Thrones and... and something like that even how to train your dragon they're almost more like horses in a way where like you can have a bond with your horse you can tell your horse what to do um you know if they're if they're domesticated horses but they're also wild horses that Mm -hmm. just are like um get off my back please and thank you yeah yeah bye bye get off my back yeah Yeah. oh my god (laughs) god i i would agree with the like being able to create a a bond with 
the dragon is kind of where I draw the line even before like talk and communicate like you can communicate without actual words which mm-hmm. yeah uh, you do that all the time like like especially with any pet any animal yeah but I wonder if in the Harry Potter world there's like there's parcel tongue they can speak to snakes mm, if there's cool. some sort of I don't know the Latin word for dragon Draco but Draco yeah. Draco Draconis tongue? Dracon- Draconis tongue like I wonder if there's something where reptilian animals there's some specific wizards that can speak with them like if there is someone that can speak with dragons yeah like and if there is a dragon that exists like a like aragod could speak but none of the other spiders could speak so i wonder if there's a dragon of all dragons that's like or an age thing like (sighs) well be cool in a lot of fantasy dragons have like this knowledge like dragon heart or smart i guess it comes with age knowledge of the stars yeah, like when a when a being lives for eons or hundreds of years or something, they're somehow usually more compassionate and and knowledgeable and like a lot of dragon lore I take from like World of Warcraft and the story there they're like they're embodiments of the forces of nature and they're in a way like gods because they've been around forever and they're so knowledgeable, but at the same time, they're so powerful that they're, uh, they are a, a cause for fear because they still have that animal side and that uncontrollability that humans are just kind of like, uh, we gotta be always worried about this being kind of thing because we're not in their league. Mm-hmm. And one of the books I remember reading as a kid called Dragon's Blood uh, I haven't read it since I was a kid, so I don't know if it hold- stands up, but it, it was like um, dragons were trained to be like pit fighters and mm. the kids, the protagonists are trying to free them in the book. Mm. And I just remember really like... That's kind of like how to train your dragon. Yeah, and, and there's mm. like an emotional bond between the dragon and the the characters from what I remember. I may have been adding that in, but I think it was there. And just, like, it all goes back to, like, empathy and being able to see something from another species point of view and Mm -hmm. find common ground and, like, become companions or friends or something like that. And I think that's really beautiful for a completely made-up creature. Mm -hmm. Like, we have examples of it in the real world like with horses and cats and pets and animals that we can't really tame like say a komodo dragon would be incredibly difficult to tame but i just love that there's such a diverse culture when it comes to dragons in fantasy and i think the harry potter dragons are kind of like they're an interesting i don't want to say diminutive but or whatever diminished but they're a little too just creatures for me Hmm. like they're not other than like their body parts being harvested like dragon scales for potions and stuff they don't have the same uh wisdom or yeah or just like carries just like that upper tier above humanity that a lot of fantasy has and i think that's kind of telling about I think the, the centaurs kind of fill that gap, though. True, mm. 
Yeah. Like they kind of they kind of take that place of that kind of different than human probably smarter yeah thing with like a long view. Um I mean I don't know how um how long centaurs like are alive for because usually that's the thing lifespan. about dragons. Yeah. Dragons are alive for so long. That's how they become so wise. They're not like born with it. They're just they've just seen a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not born. We're not born with it. We just see a lot of shit. We just yeah. see the fucking the shit going on. Yeah. But like, I kind of like the idea that they're kind of animalistic because, in the way that they're kind of just like dinosaurs, and yeah. that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of like that because it would mm-hmm. I I wouldn't want them to be in the positions they are if they were sentient. Mm-hmm. Like what we see, like we see It'd only. Be- Four drag, five dragons, six dragons. We see the four from the Triwizard Tournament, um, the one from which the are bang. basically Hagrid's. Hagrid, Norbert, and then and the, the Gringotts one. one. Yeah. yeah, and it's like they are all kind of brought in just to be this like prop in this competition, mm-hmm. and yeah. like a lot of their eggs get smashed, which is kind of sad. Could be like chicken eggs, and they weren't fertilized. Could be, but then <laughs> why are they protecting them? Mm, dragon egg. Instinct. Like, Scrambled dragon egg. Instinct, mm. maybe. God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I like so. I mean, even as they are like being intelligent creatures, but they're still creatures, like dolphins mm-hmm. or something. Where you're like, oh. okay, you're smart. You're like an octopus, we're, maybe. We're still but gonna like, put you in a uh, container at SeaWorld and. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's the that's thing. Like even even that dragons. kind of yeah, like even that kind of intelligence is still like i don't like how they're treated but at least we know like that yeah that charlie Mm -hmm. has a beautiful reserve where hopefully they're being taken care of and all that so so things like that do exist but it just still does seem like okay does everyone need a dragon heartstring wand yeah that's kind of fucked up and if they were sentient that'd be really fucked up Mm -hmm. Uh, who's your favorite dragon from fantasy and do you have one because I I really agree with that assessment in Harry Potter they're definitely just props. That's mm. a hard question for me to ask because one of my favorites is now being, I mean this was a thing that I had to wrap my head around and reflect on, but one of my favorites is now being viewed as quite racist, which is Mushu. Mm. Oh. Like I loved the, I mean I personally love cultures that have belief in animals with whether it's a godlike thing or a spiritual thing or whatever i find a lot of fascination in that i like i really like it and i mm-hmm. really respect it and that's something that i personally would gravitate towards if i was choosing a religion or spirituality or whatever or being a part of a culture that has that i think is really cool but then also respecting that the choices disney made with mushu mm-hmm we're probably not the best and what they're doing now with I'd, I'm curious to see how dragons are represented in the new Mulan that the live well, action is, is coming out. No Mushu, I don't think. There's no Mushu, but we have but, in the trailer seen some dragon imagery yeah. and whether an actual dragon will appear, I don't know, like a or a spiritualized dragon because it's one of her spiritual ancestors and and that being respected or not respected, we'll, we'll see how they I would hope make that would decision. Be. Yeah, of course, uh, absolutely, and and you know, I'm hoping that that sh- part of the Chinese culture gets respected. But yeah, and see. dragons are a part of their imagery 
in their culture. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think even without having a a embodied dragon or or even a a guiding spirit, then having just the imagery in detail work on the set, I, I think as long as that's handled correctly, then it could be a great addition in mm-hmm. rather than having a cartoony dragon voiced by Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Who I I love as well. Like I know. I love that movie so much. I watched it again recently. It's yeah. so good. But yeah, fair enough. I think yeah. Go ahead, you if you have your favorite. Oh. Uh probably Toothless from How to Train yeah. Your Dragon. Like I yeah. named my cat Fury, so <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, gotta gotta throw out Smog as well. I think my favorite is Smog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like I, I just love the Hobbit. I got so yeah. much loves for it. Um and I haven't really like I've liked a lot of depictions of dragons, but like I feel like that one to me when I think of a dragon, that's really what I think about. It's kinda like the Yeah, and, and he's so clever and he's so smart but he's also arrogant like he has his Mm -hmm. own kind of weaknesses which is which are interesting and also i mean this is beyond the books but i fucking love the design they did for smaug in the hobbit movies even though he's a worm not a dragon i think he should be a worm though is he supposed to be i forget now what the debate was it's the amount of arms versus wings well but like what in the Hobbit, was he described yeah. as? I think yeah. he's, a, he's a worm. W Y R M. Yeah, because he is missing. He doesn't have four legs. He walks on two. He walks his wings. on his wings. Yeah, yeah. and the Game like of Thrones bat. dragons are the same. Yeah. I just think they look better because otherwise it just looks strange. It's almost like a, the ones with the wings look like a Pegasus mm-hmm. type shit going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, and just way too heavy to fly. Mm-hmm. But dragons yeah. are friggin' cool, and I love them. And thank you, Becky, for your input. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. know what you're going to do next? No. Do we have any suggestions? What about an underwater creature? Mermaids? Mm-hmm. Mermaids, oh, mermaids in uh, Harry Potter versus other yeah. fantasy mermaids? I'm yeah. into that. Okay. So if you've got Next one's any- mermaids. Any thought, and this can be dedicated to Jamie's doc. I was just going to say, we'll have her on and she'll talk about the Mervais. Yeah. The Mervais. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so for Mary Boff Kill, we'll do an actual traditional Mary Boff Kill, which I don't think we've done in a very long time. We definitely haven't. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> They're all super weird. Um, yeah, different ones here. So I'm anyway, happy I was available to record. Yeah, <laughs> for this one. So, uh, so this one is uh, Mary Boff Kill. These are like just people, wizards, witches who um, transform, and so we have Tonks, Lupin, or Nagini from Fantastic Beasts. Ooh. Mary Boff and Kill Juan. Tough. I think I have mine. Okay. I. I think I marry Tonks because okay. that's just fun. I think I boff Lupin because that means Ooh. he gets to live. He gets what to do stay you mean? around. Well, the other options kill. Oh. And he dies. 
And I, I'm yeah. sad about okay, that. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So I, for some reason, I thought you die. meant like me fucking him will keep him from dying. <laughs> yeah, me too. In the like, in the Battle what, of Hogwarts, and I'm like, what, what power do you have, Craig? <laughs> I don't, don't want to know. Maybe I don't something. Know. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, unfortunately, Nagini, because we don't really know how that character arc's gonna go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just don't know enough. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Nagini. She's kind of new on the scene. She doesn't get a lot of screen time because of racism, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Also, just bad script writing. It's really interesting you've picked these three because two have a significant suffering with their transformation, where one mm-hmm. is like... It's not, yeah. It's a cool thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is hard. My immediate reaction was like, I'm definitely marrying Tonks, because then yeah. I also get Lupin. <laughs> The double, the double act. Can I kill Lupin in a werewolf form and then have really cool powers and bring him back as a human? (laughs) I don't know. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to specify what those powers are. Yeah. She said to bring him back as an inferi, and then oh, okay, yeah, sure, that's not weird. Not weird at all. It's just some necromancy amongst friends. Uh, classic staple of fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to marry Tonks. Because I also think it's cool what she can do. Yeah. And we'll have fun. I'm going to boff Nagini. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe in the short time that I'm with her, I can give her confidence to not go to the dark side. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you don't need credence. He's a yeah. you don't need him. Yeah, you can survive. We don't need the circus. Come with me. <laughs> Come with friend. me if you want to live. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. Uh, yeah, we don't know this full storyline that they're building here, but I don't know. Yeah, someone just shows her love and compassion, even if she turns into a snake. Maybe she won't become. I don't know, and we don't know if Voldemort, like, bewitches the snake like i have no idea what power he holds over nagini or if she's just completely loses her humanity and becomes a giant snake like yeah Yeah. don't know that yet that's the only way it makes sense to me yeah knowing how the story ends like yeah is that like her brain is snake brain now yeah yeah i'm gonna kill lupin that's good i know i feel very close to both of yours. Yeah. <laughs> I might do a switch around though. Maybe I'll maybe I'll marry Nagini. Ooh. Just because like then she'd have more like constant love and support. Yeah. We don't really know what how how long her her maledictus or whatever takes to go into effect. Yeah. Like um it would just be good to like have her be like have her get her a safe environment somewhere she's taken care of you know she's fine as hell so like mm-hmm. you know if that's my wife that's my wife like yeah. back off <laughs> so yeah get i'll marry her cobra. and then we'll be like till snake brain do us part i suppose <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's good. Like <laughs> While that. she's in her human form, she can help develop the snake world she wants to live in. Yeah. The habitat. Yeah, I can, yeah. Or yeah. the outdoor backyard. Like, what flowers and trees do you want to I'll hang just out go in? and release her in Brazil and be like, eat all yeah. the mice. I don't know. Yeah. 
where yeah. you want to be. Um, I will boff Tonks because when you boff Tonks, you're really boffing everybody, aren't you? You are. You really are. Like she That'd can be, nice. be whatever I want her to be. Sissy. And unfortunately, I am killing Lupin, and I'm very sorry about that because I love Lupin very much. But, you know, he's, he's kind of like the oldest character. He's not very old yeah. in the books, but like, especially with like, they say like his, he looks prematurely aged because of all the stress and hard living he's had to endure in his life. Silver um, Fox. He is a silver fox, isn't he? He's a silver wolf. Yes. But yeah, no. I guess I'll kill him. Maybe I'll kill him in werewolf form as a f- self-protection. Yeah. That's a good way of getting around that. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, though. Because I, like, just fucked his wife. <laughs> and you're ke- <laughs> keeping her alive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Am I? I don't Maybe know. not. She's got to die too, unfortunately. Death by death by fucking. Oh. Death Whoa. by schnoo schnoo. <laughs> yeah. Schnoo schnoo. That's our classic. Uh, classic Mariboff kill. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. I like the mm-hmm. uh, everyone has the transformation aspect. That's good. You know what? I was trying to think. I'm like, we rely so hard on suggestions for this category because I feel like mm. we've done everybody, and I looked yeah. through the whole list of things that we've done before just to make sure we haven't done this before because I'm yeah. like, we must have done it before. Yeah. But we didn't, so maybe there's well, still hope for us. I don't think we were tracking the early episodes, were we? But I guess Nagini wasn't around at that point. No, so. I think they're they're all there. Okay, it, cool. It's the only the newest ones that... We've been lax on. We've been <laughs> lax on. Keeping track of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was Harry, Ron, and Neville. that's funny anyway good uh, mbk uh you gotta head out kate right so do you have anything to say goodbye about or anything do you have anything to say goodbye about yeah that's (laughs) english (laughs) (laughs) no it's just really nice thanks for having me on i'm very busy but i very much love the podcast so it's fun hanging out with you (laughs) dum-dums yeah yeah I'm really working on keeping Harry Potter a good thing in my heart. And yeah. this is part of that. Like listening to those podcasts and doing this with you guys is mm. a part of my love for these books. So I can remove that figure from them and keep them as the stories of perseverance and joy and love that they are. That's mm. For nice. me. Yeah. Oh, before I forget, do you have any book recommendations? Kara was asking, and I think that's a good recommendation for everyone right now with who might be looking for a book well i just i've just finished rereading something that i'm a little bit obsessed with um it's called the alice network it's historical oh, fiction you told me about this yeah i just reread it again and it, it's oh my god it's so good sorry it's historical fiction it's about female spies during world war one and world war two based in france um and it's based on true figures at the back of the book the author explains the research she's done and which actual spy she um, learned a lot about, but it is fictionized. It's 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 fake events that the spies go through, but um, it's fascinating. It's so fucking good. And I'm also going to recommend A Fearless Heart by Thupton Jimpa. It's a book on um, compassion in our modern world. It's a nonfiction read. And it's really fascinating. It it has a view of secular and non-secular coming together 
um, and a lot of science in, in compassion and empathy uh, and where it is in this world. Um, so I'm going to throw that out there too because it's a nice. really, really good read yeah. and is really informative of how you can view compassion within yourself. So yeah. That's lovely. Good suggestion. There's some books. Yeah. There's some books. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We should promote books. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kara. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Alright, friends. Let's go. I love you. Bye, Bye. dear. This is our character from another show that is Hufflepuff. It is the Hufflepuff turn now. <laughs> um, so yeah, and the next one is going to be a Ravenclaw. Um, so if you want to send in your suggestions, or I can think of one myself, whatever. Um, but anyway, we have... This, is, this comes from Becky again, uh, and she's a Ravenclaw. So that's awesome. So she's the same person who... Uh, um weighed in on our dragon talk um i do have a bone to pick with you because i don't know why your email is in comic sans yeah i noticed but that i as well. hate that i <laughs> i love you but i hate that um and i'm sorry uh but anyway we have a hufflepuff it's a really cool hufflepuff so her suggestion is clark kent from the tv show smallville played by tom welling and I think this is a really neat Hufflepuff because, like, most people wouldn't think of Hufflepuffs as Superman. But, yeah. um, you know, especially in this context, I think that he is a really cool Hufflepuff. And I do agree. I, re- I watched, I think, five seasons of Smallville. I think there are seven in total. Um, I'm not really sure why I got out of it, but I did. Um, it was years and years ago that I was watching it. Um, but you know, it was a it was a fun enough show. It was a CW show. Yeah, Good I can enough, remember you know? seeing some episodes, but I I don't even think I would have seen enough to understand the story. Yeah, I mean, basically, he's Superman. It's Superman, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. But it's like it's like him. It starts when he's like in high school, and he's kind of coming to terms with his superpowers and his secret identity and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway, so. Um, Becky has a few points for, you know, examples of hard work. Clark does all the farm work. Oh, he's work. He works on a farm in, I think, Kansas, Nebraska. One of those middle ones, I think. One of the farmy ones. And uh, so Clark does all the, you know, farm work, which is which is tough. So good on him. Uh, Dedication. He chooses a college close to home so he can continue to work on the farm farm and help his parents. Uh, example of patience he waits forever to date lana lang and puts up with the crazy ideas from his friend chloe and later lois lane uh loyalty he shows way too much trust and loyalty to lex luther he defends him constantly in the first five seasons of the show and never stops hoping that his friend will make the right choices he's always or he is also crazy loyal to his friends who in turn trust him to keep and keep his secret example of fair play Clark never uses his powers when playing football in high school or any other nefari- or for any other nefarious purposes, um, unless he's under the effect of red kryptonite, <laughs> which we all know makes him go bonkers. I guess so. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a strong mo- moral code because, der, he's Superman. Yeah. Um, and it is, he is in Kansas. Smallville is in Kansas, uh, but it's a nice. fictional town. Yeah, so, and, and then there's a quote. I'm not sure where this quote is from. 
maybe Harry Potter, but it doesn't look familiar. Uh, Hufflepuff is the most inclusive among the four houses, valuing hard work, dedication, patience, loyalty, and fair play, rather than a particular aptitude in its students. Hufflepuffs are known to have strong moral, moral code and a sense of right and wrong. Hufflepuffs are usually accepting of everyone. That sounds like probably from the wiki or uh, Yeah, Pottermore. maybe it's from Pottermore. Yeah. Now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, we can watch a few clips mm-hmm. and uh, see how she go. I still can't figure out how I survived the sky falling on my head. Can you? The last thing I remember is I grabbed you and dove underneath the lab table. Must have protected us from the debris. Good thing our ex-quarterback moves so fast. No, not fast enough. Clark, I can live with a couple of bruises, considering the alternative. You're always there when I need you, Clark. I just hope someday I can do the same for you. Being friends with Lex Luthor can be complicated, but it has advantages. What are you doing? You know what Mikhail said, he'd hurt those guys if I wasn't out there. A bunch of 250-pound guys banging into each other on a football field is one thing. But getting hit by you is like getting run over by a freight train. It's a big difference, son. I hope that doesn't happen. I think Chloe and I found a way to stop Mikhail. Well, Chloe and you think you found a way to stop well, I'm sorry, son. Thinking is not good enough. Dad, I know you don't agree with me. But sometimes taking responsibility means having faith in yourself to make the hard choices. And it also means being willing to accept the consequences. Every handshake, every hug, every time I'm out on that field, I make a conscious decision to fall when those guys hit me so they don't get hurt. No matter how hard you try, you can't understand that. That's why it's my decision, not yours. Well, well. Hmm. Those are great quotes. Yeah, that, like, was that last one just, do you remember it? Like, specifically going into a game, like, having to hold back his powers, or? I think so. Like, if we, I think, uh, like, the rest of it was, so he's about to go out to a game. And his dad says, Hmm. hang on a second. I'm a farmer, and you got to listen to me. Like, the holding back his powers to be able to play football is an interesting part that I never really thought of about that show. Like, the Mm. restraint and the restraint of a high school student to not just go their hardest and probably kill someone by accident even, but still just, like... Knowing you have a power and only using it when it's necessary. Like, that's kind of like the motto of all martial arts. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, like, a, it's something that's not really talked about because usually we only really see Superman in the context of him in the fucking getup. Mm-hmm. He's saving the world. He's using his powers, at least lately anyway. Against um, evil, but against evil um but yeah like there's definitely not really been that you know he was a child at some point Mm -hmm. kind of lens put onto it maybe this is more explored in the um the comics but i'm not really 
uh, versed in comic books. So, um, yeah, if any, if any listeners happen to know, you know, if they address that much in the comics, just, uh, give us an email and get your house some points. Although maybe we shouldn't have competition. (laughs) I think we'll we'll throw you all a pizza party at the end of the year. (laughs) Virtual pizza. We love you anyway. So, uh, you know, it's all good. Because I think that's a pretty tough sell. Like, Superman is, in most stories, quintessentially a Gryffindor. Mm. But I think showing that time of his life, then, yeah, I think that could be a a very good candidate for Hufflepuff. Yeah. And and that's nice. Yeah, I mean, there is, like, that, that or not trope, but, like, the difference about uh, Superman versus other superheroes that I think there was like a little ramble about it in Kill Bill um, but like super Superman is was always super like yeah. he's always had to hide himself for other people and to yeah. protect himself rather than um, being a normal person and then acquiring this ability and yeah I just I think it was a really cool idea for a Hufflepuff I really like it because He's like they kind of maybe go a little over the top in in Smallville, but he's like super like I'm a small town folksy guy and I just live on a farm and here I am. Shucks, I love my friends and mm-hmm. and like in that way he is like I don't know like he's just more Hufflepuff I think in that way. Um, maybe it is just because he's growing up and he has to do a lot more restraint and have a lot more patience and and all that stuff than um, and dedication than a normal teenager would have uh, well that's uh, at that point that's his superpower yeah like his restraint is is more powerful than his abilities yeah yeah in that time of his life so yeah i completely agree it's yeah i mean the bravery is still there he's he's a bit of a cedric diggory maybe he's a bit of a cedric diggory a, a poster boy but Mm-mm. a poster boy for Hufflepuff. For good. For good. Yeah, anyway, so that is our, that's our Hufflepuff for this episode. Um, again, next one coming up is a Ravenclaw, and then it'll be Slytherin after that. But thank you very much to um, Becky for your suggestions. I wish you'd choose a different font, but it's up to you. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> you're Wait, still what, getting points, even what house though. Is she? She's Ravenclaw. She is Ravenclaw. Okay. She should know better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm very prejudiced. Uh, Comic Sans is Comic fine. Sans. It's, it's, I mean, the next email we get will probably be in Papyrus, so. Uh-huh. Well, didn't you change your phone to be Papyrus at one point? Yeah, a long time ago. It's Just to annoy people. Well, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, very thank good. you very much for your suggestion, and uh, yeah, that's our that's our Hufflepuff, Superman, if you can believe it or not. I can. So yeah, right. I mean, it's just it's just Craig and I for the outro, but thank you yep. for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Thanks to all the people who are protesting. Hopefully, you're protesting safely as much as you can. Mm-hmm with covid but also i hope that you weren't are not in any physical danger from the opposition law enforcement in your in your area um but yeah um i've been personally participating in 
whatever I can to help uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and to show support to defund the police and, uh, yeah, um, change our society and help fight systemic racism and white supremacy. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, anyway, uh, just a shout out to everybody who's doing that. Let's, Let's keep it fucking going, even though it's hard. Yeah, we're going to a protest for our counselor because Toronto is choosing to ignore the defund police bill yeah. or whatever. Or they're they're just giving them more money. Yeah, I noticed. So, for body cameras that don't work. Yeah, and a bio. We're coming to good for you. Be mad at you because you do not represent our values. Apparently. Yeah, but, good for you. Like, do what you can. If you can't protest, then donate. If you can't donate then educate yourself uh, on I, I mean i'm doing it we're all doing yep. it post yeah. post things that you th- made mm-hmm. you think uh differently or you think would help other people uh make sure you're looking into the sources for the stuff you're reading and yeah. just be conscious and learn yeah and you know take breaks when you have to for yeah. your own mental health um because it's a marathon not a sprint and we don't want to burn ourselves out too fast but we want to make sure we're contributing change won't happen overnight unfortunately unfortunately it is not the world we live in (laughs) i still think it's inevitable yeah i agree so get on the trolley that's right side of history this shit Mm -hmm. um on that note we want to just also say again that we uh like to promote uh, Black Girls Create, which is uh, an awesome organization. They have two podcasts. One is Harry Potter. It's called Hashtag Wizard Team. Um, it's a reread podcast, uh, but right now they're doing the uh, the Fantastic Beasts movies. They're going through Crimes of Grindelwald, and it's really funny because they hate it. Um, <laughs> so if you like that, then uh, go ahead. Um, and uh, also there's uh, another... Um, black creator uh, who has a podcast called The House of Black. Um, I haven't um, actually listened to it myself because I have been sort of in a Harry Potter withdrawal uh, for the last month because it's been a bit bit too hard to be yeah. part of the fandom, so I've just been taking a break, but I do want to really, uh, listen to it because it looks really awesome. And also just because we had Pride Month and because JK is a is a Voldemort, I'd say suggest uh, the Gaily Prophet uh, podcast uh, for some LGBTQIA plus uh, content. They are awesome as well. Uh, I follow them on Twitter and they're really funny. Uh, but again, <laughs> I haven't listened to any of their episodes, but they look really good. There's really there's one that looks really interesting about um, werewolfism as uh, you know an analogy to HIV and how that's maybe like not harm or not helpful and is you know controversial um so yeah it may be inappropriate uh so anyway that's that sounds really interesting so i would recommend that so yeah just a few signal boosts i don't know if you have anything uh else craig that you want to add yeah we we just really want to uh we want people to open their minds and give other things a chance and if it's not for you, that's fine. But there are plenty of amazing Potter creators out there from all walks of life. And yeah. if you know of any that 
we haven't mentioned, let us know and we'll check them out and pass it along. Yeah, absolutely. Gotta help each other out. Help each other times. out. So speaking of kind of controversy, we there was um, like right after we posted our last episode where we had our topic um, character spotlight on Cho Chang. Uh, Chon Chang actually started trending on Twitter and I was like, oh no. Oh, right, happened? yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot of people were just basically calling out, you know, uh, Cho Chang as a character that isn't really a good representation or I don't really know exactly what the correct word is it, but like a, a controversial character that a lot of people um, feel wasn't executed uh, properly. Um, and there was one thing that I did want to mention because it was kind of a fudge up. I did look it up, but I guess my Google algorithm didn't want me to see it. I'm not sure. Um, but apparently another part of the controversy about Cho Chang's name is actually that it sounds like Ching Chong. Mm. So, yeah. which is obviously a racial slur. Um, that's maybe something, you know, because of white privilege, I never had to grow up with that really so it's never something that i've associated with cho chang but now that i saw that i was like oh yeah that's a big Mm -hmm. one fair enough and uh you know a lot of people were commenting on it was mostly about her representation in her character in the uh movies rather Mm -hmm. than her character in the books a lot of the the comments were about that and um yeah i saw this one tweet where it was like these are all the lines that Cho says in the in the movies, and they're all like, Harry, you're so good at this. Oh, Harry, yeah. I like you. Harry, I'm so sad, or, or this or that. And it was just like kind of, like she only yeah. had like 12 lines, and she was in like four movies. I'm, so it's kind of baffling, but just wanted to shout that out. Uh, sorry that we yeah. missed that part. But uh, on that note, there was a, something really positive. Uh, Katie Lung, who was the actress who played Cho Chang in the movies, um, once Cho Chang started twi- uh, trending, um, she did a post that was like, okay, are you you guys want to hear my thoughts about Cho Chang? Here's a thread. And then she just basically had this thread of supporting BLM in all these places where you could donate. And yeah, it was just like such an amazing classy. move. And it was just like, yes, like, <laughs> good for you. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, shed the light on what's needed right now. We obviously still need to uh, work on proper character development for people of color, but... Yeah, I think that she she used the platform. She could have used it, you know, to boost her own visibility or or whatever. and stuff, but... Exactly, or or she just could have used it to to air any grievances that she may have had. But yeah, instead she used it to support other people, which was amazing great and um so happy about that from her so yeah yeah, i just wanted to do a little update because we just did that topic well timed Uh, with that yeah uh do you have any book recommendations (sighs) (laughs) Uh, like i can't even remember the last time i sat down and read and that's kind of disappointing to me like i don't really like reading on my phone or yeah just audiobooks that much sometimes i can do it but yeah i'm i'm in the market for suggestions as well <laughs> i'm the yeah. same as Kara. uh do you have any suggestions uh i have one 
Um, I read it like quite a long time, maybe like two months ago or so. Um, but it's uh, Normal People by Sally Rooney. You know, I, I kind of don't usually read these kinds of books because it's just sort of like a, a book about contemporary times with no sci-fi uh, yeah. or magic or murders. Nothing on the surface to make it, quote, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's really just like a story of these two people, um, you know, through high school and through college. But it's just like really interesting and really well written. And they actually made a series of it. Um, it's an Irish book and it's an Irish, um, Irish series as well. It's called Normal People. I think it was on, I'm not sure if it was on HBO or Stars or something like that. But, um, oh, it's on CBC Gem, actually. So you can watch it for free oh. if you're a Canadian. But anyway, it's really, like, sexy. But, um, but like, not in, like, a Fifty Shades way. It's just, like, I don't know. It's just about these two people in the relationship. So maybe don't watch it with your parents. But... <laughs> You could, it's not like Game of Thrones level sexiness, but, you know, just yeah. don't watch it with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, I don't know. That's Unless your parents are really cool. Not weird about, or in your family, but that's... Exactly. Watching sex scenes with family is weird. It's usually pretty weird, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'd recommend that. And I'm on, I think, episode six or seven. I think there's 12. I'm not sure. But... Uh, Honestly, like the series is really, really good in that it follows the book so, so closely. Like, Hmm. usually there's like some deviations and you're like, okay, well, they sort of got it or maybe they didn't or whatever. But um, it's like, it's almost exactly like a representation of the book on film. So in that way, it's really good. It's not too long. It's maybe about that thick as a paperback. That's about an inch. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I read it in like two days. So. Is it a lot of like dialogue? So that goes much quicker in TV it's a, usually. It's a fair amount of dialogue. Yeah. They kind of switch back and forth between who they follow. So they follow one of them, and then they kind of switch perspectives as they kind of go along. Um, the one thing that I found when reading it, which was kind of difficult, and I never got used to it, is the author doesn't use quotation marks for speaking. And I found oh, yeah. it to be very difficult Difficult. because like that she doesn't even like start a new paragraph sometimes it'll just be like somebody start talking and you're like oh wait we're it's a conflict what that's out loud now so anyway yeah um grain of salt make sure but um Hmm. yeah either i'd I'd recommend the book or the tv show that's uh that's pretty much it i got the last podcast on the left um their book it was just delivered the other day and that's all about like murderers so I don't know if that's up. Uh, if that's your alley. I I just started reading it, so I can't really recommend it. But I do like their podcast, so I don't know. They they uh, are using that book to uh, make donations to One Fair Wage, um, which helps support people who are out of work because of COVID. Nice. Yeah, that's it. Honestly, that's uh, it. <laughs> all I've really been reading are like science uh, articles. So that's nice. It it is nice in a way that you can think of like with everything that's still going on, there are still mm-hmm. people out there trying to gain more knowledge and help people and like invent a working fusion drive to provide clean energy for the entire world. Like there's still that that's element nice. that is going on 
and we're we're still advancing as a civilization we just need this uh bump in the road to get well bigger than a bump in a road we can't continue until we're all on the same page really but yeah it it's helping me to know that astronomers are still looking at uh distant black holes and people are still figuring out things in our dna and and animals from the cretaceous period are stuck in amber and i'm just waiting for the real jurassic park now and (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally it's working for me. It might not work for you, but that's nice. That's my suggestion. Do you get that from like a certain like website? Unfortunately, or you just no. Find it, it's just Google knows now that I like science articles. So and they're that's good. They're generally pretty uh, unbiased. That's good. I mean, most scientific articles You'd should think be. So. You'd think so. It's usually the articles about scientific articles that yeah. try to spin it. But yeah. Cool. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Hope you're doing listening. well. Yeah, stay safe. Stay healthy. If you're in Toronto, hope you're hope you're enjoying the heat and not melting. If you're in Halifax right now, I hope you have a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for this episode of Mischief Managed Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can check us out on Instagram at Mischief Managed Podcast, on Twitter at Mischief Podcast, and on Facebook, Pinterest, and Tumblr. If you want to get in touch, send us an owl at mischiefmanagedpodcast at gmail.com. Mischief Managed was co-created by the the empathetic golden star, Aaron Reinhold, and original music by the ever-compassionate participation trophy earning, <laughs> Devin Highland. And as always, Mischief Managed. We're all in this together, like Red Green says. Oh, so. yeah. Keep... keep we're, uh, it's like... I. Keep your stick on keep, the ice. Keep stick on no. ice. I, I'm pulling for you. Yeah, we're, we're all, all in this, this together. together. Yeah. yeah. Afterwards. Hopefully he's not a dick. Oh, God. <laughs> that would ruin my childhood. That would ruin my childhood if Red Green turned out to be a dick. We'll, That's we'll deep creating content, guys. <laughs> <laughs>